unfilled episode of the Cleveland Motto podcast. Light them up, boys. Ah. Oh, <laughs> Sleepy's literally going to has to arm it. <laughs> ah, there it is. All right. Is that the Tremens delirium? It is. It's that time of yeah. year. Yeah. It is that time of year. For real. We went what do you got, Mr. Crump? Dan, what are you drinking? I got the Market Garden Nano and a Johnny Drum. Of oh, course. Nice. <laughs> very, very nice. Snowdrop Vanilla Porter on, on deck. Oh, how's that? That stuff's pretty good, right? Yeah, I'm going to have one here next. All right. Steve, what are you drinking? <coughs> well, I'm talking on nacho chips right now, but. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, a bourbon and ginger ale. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Is that, a, is that a rusty nail? That's not a rusty nail. My grandma would call it a highball. No. But it was, it's in a low glass, so it's really a low ball. That's what a highball What brand phalernum is that, Phil? I don't know. He disappeared. This is, uh, this is Maggie's Farm Phalernum. So this is the, uh, this is my favorite phalernum. So if you're going to, if you're going to get into something like this, this is a real good one to get into. Um, I like this a lot. The, uh, the whole idea behind this is it gives you in one package, it gives you the lime, it gives you the cloves, it gives you the ginger all in one handy dandy device, like in one thing. And so it makes getting to a cocktail a lot faster than having to be a bartender and know what the fuck you're doing. But this is the problem. I don't know if you guys can see this uh, in my actual Porco band camp. Oh, here we go. And that is the end of my Maggie's Farm Flarenum. That's it. That's all I have. That's, Flarenum that's sounds like something that comes from Rick and Morty. Like <laughs> <laughs> You fell down really hard and you broke your Flarenum? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or everyone needs a Flarenum. So that's all I have. That's all the flarinum I have left. Oh, no. Until I get more. So the good news is I can order this stuff and they'll ship it to me. I don't have to go to Pittsburgh to get it. But the uh, but yeah, this is uh, from Allegheny Distilling. It's Maggie's Farm. And it is really good. So if, if you ever want to have like a very quick way to get to a lot of tiki drinks, a lot of cocktails, this is right. This right here. This is the ticket. Flarinum is a really, really good way to get to a cocktail. That, that looks like you know what you're doing. It tastes like you know what you're doing. So a little, uh, a little rum, you know, and some flarinum, and you're off to the races. And it just takes a tiny bit of this. It's, it's powerful. So it's really good stuff. I'm going to go add the rest of the ingredients to it right now. You guys talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> all right. So everybody have a good holiday. Isn't this the holiday? That's what we were all doing just uh, yesterday or something? Well, it was like a normal holiday, cooking and everything but nobody was there <laughs> that makes it better to me anyways i, uh, I, I kind of i don't cook mm -hmm. myself i cook for people you know and if no if i'm not cooking for anybody then it just seems like it it seems very hollow to me so well could we you had our regular thanksgiving festivities but that really only includes a couple other people who are already coming by i mean Peggy's sister stops by and visit her, visits mom anyway. So, but we tried to be careful. We kept the windows open, ran an air cleaner, 
we wore masks when we weren't sitting at the table and stuff and tried to, uh, you know, follow some protocols. My niece wore a face shield. It was still nice. It was pretty much a regular Thanksgiving for us. We don't have a very big thing. Yep. Same with us. We went to people. Yeah. I was against it, but my mom wanted to see us. So we went over her house today, but did the same thing. Like she sat way over there, you know, and we sat way over here and kind of were like, yeah, good to see you, mom. And, you know, it's pretty. Yeah. Cool. We didn't even all sit at the table. We have, you know, few people sat at the table and we spaced out in the living room. Yeah. 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 So what about you, uh, Dan? You just, you're still at home or you're, no, you're free now, right? Your wife's surgery's over? Yeah, but we just, we just stayed home. We had a little family Zoom call, and um, we just hung out here and had some nice ribeye steaks. Oh, nice. Ooh. So, Steve, you were talking before. Uh, eventually, we'll be able to do outdoor, indoor podcasts at your new super place, right? Let's, wow. call, it a, let's call it stadium style. Stadium style. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think once it's... Uh, it's insulated and we have heat in there then we could stay 10 over 10 feet apart and still have a uh, a good podcast i think i think so too we got the mic cables we got plenty of things thanks to dan dan bought the long mic cables before we only used a couple of them the new barns built it'll be really easy because that's 40 by 40 i mean i mean the the free area inside the building is 40 by 40 this is only going to be 24 by 24 but once the new building's built, I think it'll be really good. But even 24 by 24, that's a pretty big area if you really think about it. Like as a room, you know what I mean? Like that's bigger than most rooms. Right. And it's got a it's got like 14 foot ceiling. So you know. So it'll be okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Anybody do anything motorcycle related this week? I started my scooter up. It was a pain in the ass. Didn't want to start. Put some fresh gas in it. Which one? Fired it up. I was going to ride it over to here, but I really don't, still don't have a place to put it. But I left it over at the other house for a while. All right. Which one was that? The, you know, the old Vespa I have. 78 P125X. Yes. Very nice. Lightly breathed on. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did some uh, I did some motorcycle if shit. You play, if you need to put it in the burn or into the shipping container, you can do that too. I'm thinking about just loading up a trailer and parking it out there somewhere. Well, that's okay, too. I mean, there's room for that. We'll see. I don't know. Or I'll put, put it all in my backyard and cover it up. Fuck it. Just get a 20 by, get a 20 foot shipping container. Yeah. <laughs> my wife would love that. Oh, you know, no, what she'd love, what she would love more is if we took uh, my trailer, formerly Dan Cromkey's trailer. Yeah, we put that at your house. Yeah, that's big. I mean, that's that's big enough. You could put six or seven motorcycles in there, and then that becomes your storage container. That better be room enough for me to live in there too. That's right. You could just just just, you know, and you'd probably have to. Yeah, I'm pretty much (laughs) living out in the garage as it is anyway. Oh yeah, that's oh god. The only time I have any time to myself. When I built my paint booth shed. Um, and my wife saw how big it was in the middle of our driveway. She said that I might have to live in that from now on. So we're still debating oh, really? <laughs> whether or not I'll be out there. Did you say, is that a threat or a promise? Yeah, right. <laughs> is uh, So I just boosted my mic a little bit. I got the message from Dan. So do I, nice. am I coming through? Yeah, you're sure. okay, yeah a little better. Yeah, for sure. So uh, if anybody does need that trailer, 
before the snow falls, um, if anybody needs on-site storage for their bikes or, or something like that, I, I can pull the trailer out of my backyard and move it over to your, you know, your house if you need that kind of on-site storage. Just no way to do it. It's, yeah. uh, it is what it is. You know what? I'm going to pack everything right on top of me. Then I have to look at it. And then I yeah. have to deal with it. And I have to, you know what I mean? If I yeah. go tucking shit away here and there, then what, you know, it'll just sit there for years, yeah. you know? It, sits, it, it won't go anywhere. It sits there for years, so it doesn't, doesn't get any further. Right. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, I know that feeling. That's I'm getting ready right now, getting my garage ready. Um, I turned my single burner, 55-gallon drum wood burner into a double burner, a double barrel. So I welded that all up and, you know, got the kit to make it into the burner chamber, but then also the heat exchanger chamber. The afterburner. The afterburner, exactly. Um, so we used it as a single burner for the past three years, and it's been good, but I'm losing tons of heat up the chimney. I'm losing all kinds of heat up the smokestack. So for my garage, which is, you know, probably, I don't know, 30 some feet wide and, you know, 60 deep or whatever, um, that one, you know, that single burner has to run pretty good. And I got fans blowing past it to get the garage up to a temperature where we can fluid the film, the cars, or I can work and stuff in the wintertime. And well, that, uh, that's, that's the I'll thing be- with a, a burner, with a burner too, you've got to light it up, then yeah. go back in the house <laughs> and give it about an hour or so before it like heats everything up. Exactly. Real nice. Then, then you're good to go. Yeah. It just and doesn't make it go from zero to 70 real quick. And it is funny though. Do you have a blower or anything on it? I got two big 20 inch box fans. So I have two big 20 inch box fans right behind it that blow right through it, you know, that kind of blow through the top and bottom of it. So it moves the air. And then of course, because my garage is really tall, I have another box fan up in the ceiling that's aiming down into my work area. So I'm taking all the heat that's captured up in the the peak of my garage and shooting it down at me. And that seems to work good. Like that, keeping the air moving that way. Yeah. And it'll get hot enough in there with even with a single burner before that you'll be in a t-shirt within an hour, you know? So I gave up I gave up trying to figure out I, I have a couple different heaters for my little shed, but I ended up getting an IR heater so that I can mm-hmm. at least like my painting stuff will be at a solid temperature and I won't have to worry too much about it. So that's no bake it. Yeah, yeah. Should be cool. So I bought, I just bought an IR heater. My brother was smart when he built his Whoa. <laughs> John is frozen. Yeah, John, there he goes. He's been released. Oh, no, wait. Just now his he's eyeballs. Frozen again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to you. It was just your eyeballs moving. Your eyeballs are moving. Oh, <laughs> fucking, technical, fucking technical difficulty over there at the Mecklefresh house. That was awesome. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. It was like oh. the video, only your eyes were able to move. The rest of your face was frozen. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. The There's- that's my IR that I got from uh, Northern Tool, and it works great. Yeah, that's that. How much that, was that? It was fifty-eight bucks. God oh, damn, that's, that's a good deal. Yeah, I need one of those on my porch. Yeah, I mean it works. You put some screens. You put some screens around, so I mean you can't see it. You can see the lights behind us, but there's a screen there. And it lets like twenty percent of the air through, and with this infrared heater, it's perfect. It's it keeps you toasty. Well, I know where I can get one. Yeah, yeah. Just come on over and steal <laughs> it off the porch for a week. <laughs> it will be within ten minutes. 
Gone in 60 seconds. <laughs> so I, uh, so you guys, uh, just to bring up the speed, I did motorcycle shit um, this week. Nice. What'd you do? So the day before Thanksgiving, um, you know, don't travel. Don't go anywhere on Thanksgiving. We don't want you doing any of that shit. So I didn't uh, visit anybody. I had no contacts. My wife and I got in the truck and we drove to fucking Connecticut. And we delivered a Stella Fireball scooter to Connecticut. Uh, to and it was Stella Fireball number one. You may have heard us talking about that before, but Stella Fireball number one went out to Connecticut. And then when I was there, I was at that woman's house. I picked up a nut, like Stella Fireball, like 137 or something that was kind of, you know, it's been ridden and it's a little beat up and it's going to a, a friend of ours in State College, Pennsylvania. So in the middle of PA. So that was like this, this exchange out, pick up a fireball and then take it back to state college and then fuck on home. Well, while I'm out there in Connecticut doing that, I, um, apparently my zero rep is stalking me and he realizes I'm out there, shoots me a message and says, I've got a 2020 zero SRS, um, demo unit with 18 original miles on it, just taken out of the crate. Uh, do you want it for like like $4,000 off, like ridiculous opportunity to get a bike that it's, it's one thing to sell a zero at full price, but to be able to offer a zero out to people at like a $4,000 discount is insane, especially at this time of the year when they're all out of all the demo units, like the demo units started getting sold in September and they're gone. Mm -hmm. And he, so he made this phone call. Well, he's in freaking New Hampshire, but you get out there and all the States are pretty small. They're relatively close together. And uh, so where we were, we looked at where he was and we looked at where we were and we both decided, let's try to hit a bullet with a bullet. And he had the thing in his van, in his zero support van. And we had an empty spot in the back of our pickup truck and Robert, the Red Ford, and we hauled ass and we literally met each other in like Norwich, Connecticut. You touched and it? It was great. And You're we, docking. We docked. He, he and I pulled into the Shell uh, gas station at like exactly the same minute nice. and pulled in and we did like the, the drug deal in the back of the Shell station where the, you know, the zero electric motorcycle comes out of the back of his van and goes into the back of my truck. Social distancing, you know, we never got closer than 10 feet away. And, and that happened like that was just boom. We got a piece of inventory and didn't have to pay to ship it. Uh, fantastic. Super cool. Right. And then we, we came back and we delivered the scooter to, uh, to our friend in state college PA. And, uh, he, you know, he does a podcast and stuff too. And I'll put some links up there for him, for his stuff. And it is like where he's living. It was like going back in time to a time before the election, because there were Trump flags and Trump signs, every other house. Yeah. Like this part of Pennsylvania is literally, this is coal country. It is hardcore coal country. And we're driving around. Like, scooter? What's that? He's getting a scooter? Yeah, he lives right, he lives right in the middle of hardcore coal country. So uh, he is he's the strangest guy on his street by far. Uh, and uh so, but super cool dude. And we did uh it it was just a, I mean a lot of fun and a great trip. And then we decided, you know, we stayed in the Poconos. So, you know, that, that trip's, you know, 36 hour round trip. So we had to stay somewhere. So we stayed at a, a hotel in the Poconos. So we had our breakfast, uh, crap, you know, bag full of one apple, one muffin garbage, but we got the, the pool and hot tub 
thing. And that was just fucking perfect. So wake up. Everyone else is worried about what they're going to cook for Thanksgiving, going to cook a turkey, going to do this, going to do that, going to have 18 Zoom calls with their relatives. No, we were in the fucking hot tub at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. Right. Very cool. Yeah. You know, you, so weren't was- about, you weren't kidding about all those states up there being next to each other. Many years ago, I went to an airplane event up in uh, Swansea, Connecticut. And then we went to some gentleman's uh, libation club situation somewhere, <laughs> you know, at the night. It might have had a couple cocktails. Me and my buddy went to go back to the hotel. We got kind of lost. We stopped at a gas station. They're like, oh, yeah, what you at the Holiday Inn? Yeah, over there. Well, I got to that Holiday Inn, and it didn't look too familiar. And then we realized we were no longer in Connecticut. We were in, like, Rhode Island or something because they're all right there. So they sent <laughs> us to, like, the wrong damn Holiday Inn. So you got to know what state you are and what city you're in when you're up there. Yeah, there's absolutely... They they come on each other pretty quick. I mean, it's 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 just like that. Especially after driving through Pennsylvania, which is bigger than fuck. Yeah, right. you get this. You just say they come on each other pretty quick. They come up on each other pretty quick. Oh, oh okay, okay. <laughs> all those all those little states are good for being premature. <laughs> they, uh, so, did you guys take a look at, at all the new Kawasaki's, the new flock of Kawasaki's? There are so many disappointed people right now. Everybody's <laughs> crying. Like everybody thought they were going to bring out the KLR 700 to compete with everything. No, they said, you know what? You really want a 300 CC supermoto. That's what everybody's been really waiting for. Oh, dude. Uh, disappointed by that. I, I literally was at work and I was, well, I was trying to avoid work. So I was watching the debut of this stuff because Kawasaki did a live presentation. And I swear over the internet, I could hear a universal, oh, <laughs> when they put the 300 supermotor up not that that's not going to be a fun bike i'm not saying it's a bad bike. in fact it seems like it's a pretty cool bike but nobody was expecting that everybody's waiting for that other bike and and it's it's absolutely true it's like looking at that and you know what is it? it's 5500 bucks first of all yeah. yeah so you know it is a 300 cc um but i'm gonna say it the market the flood of 300 cc's or in that range, we're, you're spoiled for choice now. Whatever right. brand you want to buy. I mean, there, there's dudes that live at Deals Gap that are probably like putting their order in for a 300 cc supermoto. But if you don't live there, I mean, you know. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a very. I I love small bikes. I totally get it, and I really enjoy them. And if you were going out to buy like a, a CSC 300 or, you know, a Chinese made 300, you're going to spend, you know, a thousand dollars more to get that, uh, that Kawasaki. But I got to believe it's going to be, you know, marginally better. You know, it's going to be a better bike. Uh, it's got to be faster than the Honda yeah. CRF 250. Yeah, it's true. Yep. And it's, and it is cool. I mean, it's fine, but there's nothing about it that's revolutionary or groundbreaking or anything. But at the These, same time, Yamaha just discontinued their WR250R, their street, I think. So okay. they're getting rid of a 250. Yeah. Yep. Yamaha just got, they did away with a bunch of stuff this year. All that 300 stuff, that is not for us. Um, we're getting, that's just scraps for us. I, that All that crap is for the world market. That's because all the places in India and Asia where a 125 and a 180 was the way to go for the past, you know, for the previous 20 years, 30 years, now they've got a little more scratch, a little more coin to spend. So that's where these 300s, and you get into a market like Thailand or Taiwan or you know India or China, that's 
a hell of a lot of bikes. Like you could be the, you could finish fifth out of a five bike race and still sell a million machines. Uh, that's easy money. And if everybody in that country wants a 300 CC, yes, you fucking build it. And if you sell 12 of them in Ohio, wow, that was more than anybody could have expected, but it ain't for us, man. It ain't, it's not that that's not marketing towards our market. That's us just getting something that is built for an entirely different market. What's the harm in releasing it to Americans? A ton of machines, you know, it's easy to send a few over. Yeah. Because, I mean, what's, what's you know, like 5,000 out of a million? Right. Yeah. And as long as you have a platform that's like a, a world homologated motor that you know can get through Euro and you know you can get through EPA, then fucking do it. You know, just build them. My, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Steve. I don't know. I was, I was saying, I, I, you know, I went through that whole thing. I was looking at the, uh, the, the ADV scooters and everything, and I went through the whole line of new scooters coming out, and nothing at all excites me. I mean, there's nothing in the whole lineup that, I mean, it's just like, why? They're just piling body panels on old scooters. I mean, yeah, check this out. Check this out. I was just going to bring this up. So, have you guys seen this thing? Kimco's new adventure scooter to take on uh, the Honda Adventure X. You see that, Bab? Oh, I did not see that. Whole so Kimco did this, but yeah. I, and I don't want to play it because it'll probably kill any kind of monetization. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if right. you haven't watched it, please go watch the Kimco um, this little uh, little uh, video piece they put together. Uh -huh. Yeah, it is amazing, dude. They <laughs> they have a guy named Hugo, and Hugo is like a 25, 28 year old millennial that's super cool and important, and he works in advertising or something, man. And so he's like, he gets on his adventure scooter and he's got his headphones connected and, and he gets a phone call and it's like, Hugo, the meeting starts in 15. Where are you? He's like, I'll be there. So he gets to the <laughs> meeting and then like they do some important shit. Like they're all pointing at a computer and the guy gets the thumbs up. So then he runs back out on his Kimgo adventure scooter and he takes off. And then the phone calls come, Hugo, where are you? We need you back at the office. And Hugo, this is your girlfriend. I haven't seen you since lunch. Hugo, whatever. And then they cut to him and he's like cruising down all these dirt roads on his Kimco adventure scooter. And he just reaches up and he turns off his, his communication device. He turns up, yeah. This is just too much adventure for him to handle. He just has to get away on his Kimco adventure scooter, which also has the slickest fucking street tires I've ever seen on a scooter in the history of scooters. That's what I was going to say. That thing's got baloney skins on it. It's not going anywhere off-road. <laughs> I know, but he's, he's rocking it. I'm telling you, dude, I, 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 I know Kimco makes some decent shit, but whoever they're... And the video is well done. It's not like hacked together with Sony Handycams. Like it's a nice, well-produced like, well video. But whoever approved the script was like, yeah, this totally will work. And it is fucking... I mean, like, it's up there with the best B-movie I've ever seen, man. It's right. really good. No, it was, no, the, the video is good, but I can't stand the scooter. And I can't stand the, the Honda 150 ADV because it's just, it's a facade. It's like an old West, you know, like facade on a crappy shack, you know? You're right. You're right. Yeah. The only one that I would even look at is that 750 that they have that, that yeah. That uh, based on the NC 750X motor, yep. I mean, that's the one that I would even look at. And they won't even import that. Nope. There's only one in the country, and the dude sold it on Adventure Rider. But he got that because he bought it in France and then moved to the U.S. And it was his shit already, so he was able to declare it as his personal vehicle. 
And then when he got to Florida, he sold it. And that fucker went for like 12 grand, man. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah I mean, when you, when you look at that stuff, and we understand, at this point, it's really dumb to build a bike specifically for the American market. It, it just is. Right. Um, we're not buying the kind of stuff, you know, that the rest of the world is. And it, the stuff that is going to make it over to us, yeah, it's not going to be, it's not going to set your world on fire. I know Kimco's announced the, um, the five Oh, the, the ATK or the T, you know, KTA 500 as their new big, uh, scooter for next year. And it, we haven't had anybody like, Oh my God, I really want that fucking bike. Like give me one of those pre-order one for me. Nobody has said anything like that. There's been very little demand for that. So yeah, it's just, I don't think that's going to be a big, a big market item and people just aren't, they're not fired up about it. But you know, it's weird. I, it, it seems to me, and maybe I'm just wrong on this, but it's like every time we don't get a bike, they choose, they choose the wrong bikes to bring. Like mm-hmm. there'll, there'll be like some lightweight adventure looking cool bike that's sold in like every country, but the U S and like, no, they don't want that. Everybody's like, please bring us that bike. But instead we get a 300 CC fucking supermoto or right. something like exactly. that. You know, yeah. it's like, come on, man. Yeah. I don't, I've for years, I've always wondered why there's not, you know, the DRZ hit it pretty well at 400 cc's why there isn't a 450 500 cc dual sport bike that's just killing it you know now honda finally came out with the crf 450 but it's like 10 grand it's not even close to being you know it's a motocross bike with you know a kid on it but but, you know like uh the california scooter company they just brought out uh, a new 450 cc chinese bike that looks exactly like, you know, a, a BMW GS. So oh, they yeah. just, it's just hit, just hit that on their website. So that's there. And then the um, Benelli, of course, Benelli has their new bikes that they're bringing out that are, are going to be in that, they're in that 500cc camp as well. And so that's a funny thing because that's the territory of, what was that, the CB500X? Yep. Yeah. And that was kind of like, that was the, the ground that that bike owned. And even though that bike, owned that territory. And a lot of people said it was a really, really good bike. Uh, I haven't had any personal experience with one. I mean, we have a customer that has one. I rode it around the block on a test ride. But, but I would never consider that a dual sport bike. That well, might be a sport adventure, maybe at best. Well, but, but it's really just a CB, you know, a CBR four 500 with a, what, two inches more suspension or something like that. Right. But what all the guys did though, what made the bikes popular is they were a platform. So like basically the guys that are really into adventure rally raid sells three different levels of uh, shit you can do to the CBX 500. And if you do the rally raid level three, you get a 21 inch uh, front tire, a 17 inch or eight, whatever the normal uh, 19, whatever goes with the 21 dirt bike shit. Um, they're they're both spoked wheels. You have complete suspension reworking, which gives you like three more inches in the front and two in the back, brand new shock in the back, new forks, all this stuff. So it's like, I think the kit is like 2,800 bucks or three grand or something around there. So for like a lightweight adventure bike, you can find the, the, the 500 for like 35, 4,000 bucks. So for about 7,500 bucks, you can have a very capable, and this one lady piglet from adventure rider took it and did like 25,000 miles across like the Serengeti desert and all this shit on it. And it was a really reliable bike. It was able to go up all this shit. So like the, with all their, with all their improvements and also weight savings, I think the bike is only like 450 pounds. So it's like, a, I mean, that's a lot, but for an adventure bike with a decent, you know, pedigree, it's not too bad. So yeah, well, Pete and Pete Heffley had one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And that bike was really not, I mean, that was a very nice bike and a very capable bike. And I, I think he, he did sell it though, didn't he, Phil? Yeah, yeah, he sold it. And, you know, the one year, it was weird, a uh, couple of years ago at AMA Vintage Days, a lot of our podcast listeners kind of showed up and two or three of them showed up on that bike. So with the Rally Raid kit, so the one guy had taken the 17s and just put knobbies on the existing 17s and was running it as sort of a weirdo uh, adventure bike, like a low budget conversion. And then a couple of other people had done the, the wheel swap to make it up into a proper, you know, uh, a bike you could say that you were adventuring on. So, right, right. But yeah, that's a, that's a, it's a really, I mean, it's a really interesting thing. It's a really, uh, to see that 500 platform, which I can say I'm riding, you know, I ride so many of these bikes, the 300s, I would much rather ride a TNT 135 than most of the 300s because in the 135 the complete lack of power is part of the charm you're just grinding you're just wringing the tits off of it all the time just constantly speaking of those two bikes that guy yeah. that guy mark from uh, uh facebook the guy who's like the mark davis he's like a big tnt 135 modifier he took a cx4 so one of the original cx4s that was sent to csc the adventure bike yeah, at wrecked. He pulled the motor out of it, so he has the 450 cc motor, and he slapped it in the TNT 135. And that is a fun little bike. Apparently, it's got to be a fun bike. <laughs> well, and you don't mind with a TNT 135. It's thirty five hundred dollars. It's not six thousand dollars plus a three thousand dollar kit. That's right. Right. Yeah. Right. So you you're willing to take you know suffer horsepower for right. cheap. But here's something to remember too. So like you have all these companies that are like CSC, which from all things I've heard, they're decent. The guy takes care of his stuff, you know, whatever. But like, you know, they're not super, super, they're not a Benelli. So right. the thing to remember though, that the Benelli 506 adventure bike that's coming out has been out in Europe for almost three years. And they've three years, exactly. and smashed and beat the shit out of them. And they've held up really well, just like all the other Benellis that you've been bringing in. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you're looking at a realistic, and no disrespect to CSC, but their stuff is pretty much a Chinese, like, you know, comp, like they're bringing in Chinese stuff. Nelly right. obviously is still Chinese, but they must have way different quality control. So you're dealing with a whole different level and, and also a true and tested uh, format, you know? Yeah, it's a it's a very funny time to to be in that thing. We had a customer bring in a, an Indian Scout he just got, and the bike is beautiful. I mean, it's like a 2018 Scout. It's got no miles on it, and he brought it in for winter storage. And I asked him, I was like, well, you know, do you like it? He goes, yeah, I really love it. He used to have a Harley Sportster, and he just got this Scout, and he's just, he just I really dig it. I, I think it's fantastic. I, I enjoy everything about it. Uh, the only thing I don't like about it is the exhaust. And I was like, what's the problem with the exhaust? He goes, it's too fucking loud. <laughs> and I, I looked down and he did have, there were some aftermarket pipes on it that were tastefully done. They weren't just yeah. slip on garbage, you know, drag pipes. They were probably a really fucking expensive exhaust pipe. And it did sound, you know, it sounded throaty. It sounded like the sound people want their V-twins to sound like. Right. Um, but it was too much for him. It was more than he wanted. He's an old, you know, he's in his mid sixties, but I sat on the bike and I'm like, yeah, you know, the foot, the forward foot controls. I wish they were in the middle or middle or, but, um, this guy was a hundred percent satisfied with his bike. Uh, he was a customer that he didn't buy it brand new. He's the second owner. He bought it probably for the right price. It had all the fancy leather bags on it. All the, somebody spent a lot of fucking money in the Indian catalog to make this scout perfect for them. And he lucked into it being the second owner with only like 2,600 miles on it. Hmm. 
fucking cool, like great for him. And that's a former Harley owner that is just completely, he's done now. He's never going to get on another Harley Davidson. He was a sportster guy and now he's an Indian guy and he's got the money to make a decision about what he wants to buy in that market. That's where the American market, that's where everybody's fighting each other in that market is for that, you know, that's sort of like, this is always going to be a large displacement market. It, it just yeah. is. Yeah. And well, the Indian too. So like Fort nine, Ryan Fort nine, that dude from Canada does the movies and stuff. He, uh, he did kind of a review of like, what's a beautiful bike yeah. and describes like, you know, the, the sacred lines and all this shit. And he brings up the new Indians, the Indian trackers, the 1200 trackers yeah. and how they maintain that line that goes through it and the wheels. Like he did all the geometry. So when you're looking at the wheels and the line of the, the, the body work and everything, that's one thing. But then if you measure from there to here, it's, it's like a certain angle. But then if you go from the back end to the wheel, it's the opposite, but the same. It's so like the whole bike was really thought out. It's like, you know, that's why it looks as good. I as thought it. there was something about triangles. You're supposed to have like triangles, you know yeah, what I mean? That's like, what he's talking about, the angles. So the front angle matched the back angle, but then the whole bike which especially in the early years of uh, uh, cafe racers, when they did them right, that line that basically like, you know, the seat and the gas tank, the whole bike is formed off that line. It's really kind of interesting. But he, he said like how, uh, especially in the U.S., people don't even realize that they're basically art history majors on why they like and don't like a bike, but it comes down to like the sacred geometry of the, how the bikes are designed, you know, and how like the original Cantana got it all wrong. Like it's completely wrong. And yet, you know, that's why people, you know, nobody's usually, like, when you talk to people, they either love it or they hate it. There's not like right. a, a middle ground, you know, like that's why. So anyways, just a little offshoot there. Yeah, it's, and it is very, it is funny. And that's why certain bikes will catch and they'll have really good traction. And everybody like that fucking bike's beautiful. It's just gorgeous. That's it. Well, and then talking, about, talking about gorgeous bikes, didn't Honda just come out with a new Rebel? Yeah. Boy, they did, right? Somebody grab a picture of that bike and throw it up on the screen. Is it 2021? Beautiful large displacement bike. <laughs> Honda Rebel 1100. And uh, there's so much wrong with that statement. Uh, the Honda Rebel 1100. Uh, that's like me saying the Honda Passport 1200. Uh, it's just those, the two words should never go together. That, that just shouldn't be a thing. Uh, the, you know, you've heard about the new 750 monkey bike. Uh, right. <laughs> so like the idea of there being an 1100 rebel is just fucking weird, man. Rebel, uh, rebel, you tow your right. dress. Yeah. yeah. All right. Here it is. Hot tramp. I am. All right. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah. There it is. So it's got the same, they, they maintained the 45 or 30 degree angle of the backbone of the frame. And they maintained the gas tank that looks like somebody jammed a six pack of beer underneath it, the front of it. <laughs> and they did all that and then they slid the motor from the cb 1100 into it that's the only good thing it's got going for it it's got the <laughs> africa twin motor in it it is africa twin motor Dude, yeah. this looks like this yeah and the bike only weighs 500 pounds yeah yeah this looks like fucking uh what does that look like that looks like something it looks like one of those bmws or i don't know it's kind of virago-ish to me Oh, maybe. Well, yeah. I think I'm like triggered by ugly radiators. Yeah, I, this one because has one of the world's just, ugliest radiators. Every bike that has an ugly radiator, it's like that's all I can see when I look at it. You know, you get that nice side-on view that kind of hides it, but that's yeah. the only view. 
Yeah. Look, it's it's a lifestyle bike, man. They're still it working is a lifestyle on leather, and they got their stuff. Like, yeah, baby. I'm gonna say that I think what I I think what bothers me the most about the bike, if you want to scroll back a little down to it, or no, just keep doing what you're doing. But it's those series of triangles. It is. It's the series of triangles above the head, um, above the valve train, and below the gas tank. Oh, you've got this. You've this. got these pieces, right? So you've got these pieces in there that are very Ducati esque. You know, they go back to the monster and stuff, and it's all this sort of strangely unnecessary fork break or frame bracing and mathematically and from structural from a structural standpoint none of that crap needs to be there um yeah that one little tube i mean it's just going from one tube to another you could cut that up you plus could. they put i mean i'm assuming maybe that's the air box but it might even look better if there was like open air through there like they yeah. put they put stuff in the triangles and like right. eh, man, i don't know it's yeah. not even yeah, and I mean, looking at that bike, they are adding two more triangles into what is a big triangle, and that doesn't actually change anything. It's not gusseting. It's not reinforcing that area. If you took those two, one that one horizontal bar and that one bar coming in at the reverse 30 degree, and you took those both away, it wouldn't change the rigidity of the frame. Yeah, you guys are talking about this up here, right? Yes, I'm talking about that up there. And so everything that horizontal, that purely horizontal bar that's above the valve cover, um, can go away. It's not doing anything. And then the one that's just above that, it can go away too, because it's not doing anything. So, um, his you know, you could have that, that frame be just as rigid without those two pieces oh, of metal in there. What the fuck is this? Like what this exhaust is just horrible. What is it's that? a disaster. The exhaust is an absolute That's a scooter disaster. exhaust. It is. It does look like a scooter exhaust. And then the rear, of course, behind the, the driver's seat, it's got the whole, like, let's take our CB3, let's take the CB350, cut the last foot of the frame off and then weld a loop into it. And that's what's going on behind the driver's seat. It's also, this is a 1100 CC or 1100 bike. That's a monoposto. It's a single seater, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I just, I look at this bike and this bike has like 40 sins that I can see right off the top of my head. Because if you take those double triangles out above the valve cover, you basically got something similar to like a weird chopper frame. You know, you've yeah, got all that air above the valve cover and they're clearly just trying to fill that in. And I mean, that's the right rate for a chopper though. That's the thing. No, like, look at this. Relatively it's easy rake. I mean, that's there's nothing crazy about that front end. No, but this looks like it's not even part of the same bike. Like this, like the it whole cockpit area coming down here looks like it was just slapped onto this. Thing. Yeah, it does. And they're they're sticking to that idea of only using half of a gas tank. So like only using half of a gas tank, but you but throwing it up at a thirty degree angle. Wait, it, what, is, just, what is the what is the uh, gas tank uh, here? Let's see how, how much of a gas tank does it have. I wonder if that is a gas tank at all. Yeah, right? But yeah, I mean... Throttle by wire, full transition ignition, 10 to 1 compression. That's all that stuff's all normal. Yeah. Is, oh, so yeah. we have, so I, I really haven't looked at any this much at all, but it, is, it, is it a... It's got a 27-inch seat height, though, so that makes any schmuck in the world could ride the thing, though. That's right. There it is down at the bottom. Three and a half gallons. 3.6 yeah. gallons. Okay, yeah. 3.6 gallons. And I, and couldn't, I love couldn't they have taken the area that those triangles were at the top and maybe made a, a series of like smaller Wait. radiators with air intakes and, and hit them a little bit. And also with this motor, this motor has been out for how long and they don't know how fucking many miles to the gallon it's going to get after oh, all. Interesting. Yeah. The interesting thing they were talking about the tuning of that motor is that one cylinder, the cylinders are not built the same way. The valve timing and the ignition timing 
is different between the two cylinders. And they said that that was that the one cylinder was better at low RPM torque and the other cylinder was better at high revs. That doesn't make, make much sense to me, but okay. I mean, I would think you'd want both cylinders to be doing exactly the same way. But, but the high RPM cylinder, when the high RPM cylinder is doing 6,500 RPM, the low RPM cylinder is also doing 6,500 RPM. You know, they're not free. This one's not the cylinder that you use when you're going 8,000 RPM. And this is the cylinder you use when you're going 4,000 RPM. It's not like a modular V8 engine. It's literally, they're, they're doing their thing together. You know, this is their job. So I guess it's just one cylinder is working better at lower RPM. So giving you a little better power down at the bottom. And the other one screams like a rape tape up on the top end. It just makes for a wider power band, I guess. I don't know. I didn't. I was like, that doesn't seem to make sense, but it feels what they did. It feels a lot to me like all season tires. They're good for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But they would like put torsion on the crankshaft, though, because one is, I mean, you'd always have some type of torsion. Right. You would think. Working harder than the other one. They said, though, that it gave it a distinct sound and a different lope and something like that. But that, that bike is the, one of the ugliest bikes I've ever seen in my life. I don't know why you would fuck with an Africa twin motor. The motor is beautiful, is great. And it's just the execution of the rest of the bike around it. It could have worked. It could have. But think about it. I mean, so like you have a reliable motor, electric smooth motor. They can probably add the DTC to it. So you, if you wanted to, you could have a fucking twist throttle scooter. Oh, you can get it. it is, you can get it in a DCP. Okay, so you have all that. They just completely fucked it. But then that being said, if you're kind of pragmatical and you don't care what it looks like, it's probably comfortable as shit being 28 inches off the ground. And with that, the other good thing about it is it's actually under 10 grand. Yeah. So you're getting an Africa twin motor and Africa twin performance, but you're not spending 13 to $15,000. Yeah, but you can last year's model Africa twin for 10,000 or 9,000 bucks all day long. So, I mean, that's yeah. gonna be a hard sell. That really is. I'm sorry. What was the price on that? Uh, the article that I read said it was coming in under 10,000. Okay. Yeah, like 9,325 or something like that. There we go. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you the full. There we go. It's standby. There it is right here. And boom. There we go. Woohoo. Yeah. There you go. 92.99. Right. So, yeah. When uh, you look at it on paper, the price, the horsepower, the motor, the weight, I mean, there are good shiny, there are, you know, a silver lining, but nah. Right. I mean, two up, it doesn't look very comfortable. Like, you're not going for fucking eight hours with this fucking configuration. I think they'd have done well to make it a two up bike. It would have been much better just with a double seat on it, you know, and make well, it a. The, it shows a double seat on it on the Honda website. No, right here. You can look. I'm sharing the screen. Sure. Two people sitting on it, but I'm telling you, her ass. I, the guy on the back looks like they're sitting on the fender. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that's not a that's not a hey, we're gonna go to Utah and let's like take a four day trip. We're gonna ride for eight hours a day, bike. It ain't happening, man. Right. Well, there's a bunch of points about it that are great. Standard ABS, mm-hmm. under ten thousand. It's just probably as much motorcycle as you can buy for the price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very the biggest thing though. I agree with Steve, um, with Steve Hoffert. Looking at the looking at the Honda Rebel three hundred hurt my brain. It, it I was not okay with it, and I would I would hardly ever say this before, but nothing made me appreciate the old Honda Rebel two fifties better than looking at the new one. 
yeah. And I hate to say that because that's the that's the that is the number one thing an old white guy says. This shouldn't be called the the Rebel Two uh, Rebel Eleven Hundred. It should be called the Twin Star Eleven Hundred. Ah, yeah, it looks like a fucking Twin Star. Yeah, it, it does. It's seriously, it does. It looks like the early, you know, the earlier Twin Stars. And it's a shame because it's just, it just, it makes me want to puke. Instead of the Africa twin, call it the America twin. Right, the America twin. That's right, because it is the definition of America. It's a cruiser bike, right? It's ugly. <laughs> it's, it's ugly. <laughs> it's, it's not real smart. Like, it's not one of those bikes that you have to be technically proficient to know how to ride. Right. It's not extremely high performance. It's got a, kind of a wheelbase to it. It is. It is the America twin. Yeah. So instead of the Africa twin, it's the. American I don't even twin. mind the solo seat, but if I'm gonna have a solo seat, give me a nice fucking comfortable solo seat, not a little yeah. fucking yeah. pussy pad. Yeah, it's it's absolutely it's everything that I hated about the 300 and the 500, but with more motor. So it doesn't make it better to me. It just makes it more expensive. You know, it doesn't. It does, I don't like it any better. It doesn't seem like something I'd want to buy ever. And it's going to be one of those things that I don't think it's going to age particularly well. Um, I think it'd probably be nice to ride. I mean, as far as riding it, it probably, you know, one person get on that. Mm -hmm. It probably is kind of fun to ride as long as you don't look at it. Don't yeah, look at the windows as you're going by. It's very uncomfortable, though, because if you, you don't want to see yourself on that thing. <laughs> if you if you look at the knee angle on it, your knees aren't pointing down at all. They're they're vertical. I mean, horizontal, if not up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I, so I looked at that riding position. That riding position reminds, reminds me a lot of the Yamaha Bolt. And the Yamaha Bolt, we have a lot, like a lot of people bought the Yamaha Bolt. And I'm six foot one, I'm 200 pounds, and I just don't like it. It does not fit me well. And every time we have one come into the shop and I have to take the thing out for a test ride, the, the suspension is fucking punishing. The rear suspension is just evil and i don't like the riding position so uh it's one of those things that every time i have to ride a yamaha bolt i'm like man this is not going to be a great day it's going to suck the article that i read said something about it coming out of india are they producing is it being produced in india maybe it makes more sense in that market i don't know yeah i saw the same thing yep but i also i have seen like I think Honda really put a lot into that bike thinking it was going to do really, really well because didn't that, that would all spawn from like the OCC chopper kind of time, right? Like back right. then when they first brought it out and they were going to be the affordable, like, like maintenance free, normal Honda type chopper. And it just never fucking took off. And really, I'm sure. I mean, it probably is maintenance free. You know what I mean? That thing yeah. has got a, the heart of it is a, a Africa twin motor. Right. right. Well, like it's funny, like the chopper guys that are into like you know small choppers. Like I bought, I bought some tins off a dude this week, and he had a whole shit ton of bikes in his garage, a whole bunch of different things. And like one was like a, a kind of like a new schooly type chopper that he was working on, and it had the bars that your hands are about this far apart. But he had like mid, he had uh, uh, mid foot controls, not the the forward controls and stuff. It was kind of cool. But it, like even he was like, yeah, like this is a bike you ride for 30 minutes to go meet your friends and you go somewhere else. Like the other bike, and he pointed to his other Harley, which was laid out and like he's like, that's what I ride when I want to ride for like six hours. So it's like, you know, these companies like like Honda, they're trying to hit a market, but like 
they're trying to make a bike look like a bike where people don't want them to like, they only want them to ride for an hour. You know what I mean? Like they want them uncomfortable and weird. That's the whole fucking point of them. So when you make them comfortable, you're taking away the whole lure of that genre of bike. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And and major manufacturers will do that. When you look at that Honda Fury, that's going to live in infamy. The Honda Fury is going to be a bike that people younger than us are going to be like, what the fuck was Honda thinking? Because, you know, was the Orange County Chopper scene so powerful? Was the Jesse James scene so powerful that Honda stepped up and as the only OEM said, we're going to build one of these from the fucking factory. And, you know, guys in Japan are working on an assembly line building a motorcycle they can't possibly comprehend for people they'll hopefully never meet and won't ever have to ride this fucking thing because we've got two of them that come through the shop on the regular and they are not fun bikes to ride. They are just, they're exactly what you think they'll be. There's the only difference is they are Honda, so they are well put together. There's less shake and rattle. I wonder wonder sometimes when they were looking and they were like, okay, OCC is getting a hundred thousand dollars for these choppers. If we bring one out for 10 grand, we're not going to be able to keep these in stock. We're going to be blowing these through the fucking wall. You know, they totally misjudged that market, you know? And the, the marketing drive for that, when Honda brought that out at the very first show and at the dealer expo, when they brought that machine out, the very first, the, the number thing was, we're giving you the bike. What you do with it is up to you. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And that is the furthest from the fucking truth. Because, yeah, a a Honda Shadow 750 or a Honda Shadow 1100, we're giving you the bike. What you do with it is up to you. But this thing already had a completely mutant frame on it. Already had a completely, you know, bad math uh, geometry going for it. It was already fucked. I mean, it came pre-ruined. So, I don't know. I'm like, that's not cool. You're not going to chop and rake something like that. No, oh, you're not. Look what I did do it. You know, <laughs> it's a chopper for lazy people. You know, yeah. They do, they give you. <laughs> it's like the shit where you get a sticker sheet and you can customize it by putting whatever sticker you want from the sticker. So, it's, <laughs> it's that level of customization. Right. Like when your kid buys a little toy and it comes with a sheet of stickers on it, That's so it. they can customize it any way they want. That bike should have come with a sheet of stickers. Yep. So you could have flames, flames or lightning bolts. Right. Skulls. And that should have come with an official Honda sticker sheet. Right. Day of the Dead Mexican, like, you know, artwork yeah. that you can stick on the sides. Yeah. That would have been golden. Or like D-Badge. They have a whole thing where you can D-Badge it and make it a mystery. Like, oh. Well, it does. It, you know, that bike did come from the factory D-Badged. So the fa- uh, Fury did. It, the, the, the Fury mark on it, the, the Honda badging on it was very minimal. Yeah. So it was one of those things that they weren't putting Honda all over it. They were trying to sneak it in. Right. from the get-go so yeah i mean i'm sure right now the nine people in america that own honda furies are being told about this podcast and they are loading their shotguns to come and get yeah, they're coming we're gonna have some we're gonna have some we're gonna have some viewer mail next week we are gonna i don't think there's any chance of us having any viewer mail from honda Fury. <laughs> but, but honda's ruined a lot of good bikes too like the look at the ctx 1300 mm-hmm. yeah i mean what a waste of of metal that thing is that's true I mean, it is you have st 1300 which was a great bike yeah and then you take away everything that's good about the st 1300 and you make the ctx 1300 you have no lowers you have a, a ugly fairing you, like you it, it's 
the thing looks disgusting. And they did. That was another one that they took a really good bike and then they dumbed it down. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they pulled it out of the category because it wasn't a touring bike anymore and it wasn't a standard anymore and it wasn't a cruiser. And, you know, certain bikes like that, the CTX uh, 700 and the CTX uh, 1300, they, they didn't do great. I mean, they didn't sell a ton because a lot of people couldn't figure out what the fuck the thing was. Right. And it wasn't unique enough where, you know, some bikes that are weird, they're yeah. weird enough that they gain a, a cult following. Yeah. It wasn't weird enough. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, hey. Well, how do you yeah, some- stuff like those those uh, shark pillions and all that stuff that you know Husqvarna has brought out? Yeah, that stuff is so weird and it's so quirky and and unique that yeah, that got people's attention real quick. They they had a really strong visceral response on it. So we are angular, yeah. angular in all our models. Everything is angles, angles, angles. <laughs> and then at the gas tank, we're gonna have two ovals on the side for no apparent reason. Fun. That's, that's what the new monkeys though, right? Or not monkeys, uh, the new Groms. They're, you know, they have all that coming in with all the circles and weird panels. Absolutely no reason for any of that stuff to be there. It's just there. Yeah. But that's why that that model will be fucking, like, again, you're either going to love it or hate it, but I think enough people are going to love it that they're going to have a, they're going to blow that bike out, man. That yeah. new Hunter Cub. And that, I think, is going to be a, a tough thing because look at how many fucking monkeys that sold. And well, how does Honda do that? How is Honda a company that understands a market so well that they actually brought back mini bikes, but then doesn't understand a market so well that they do things like the Bolt and the fucking whatever else that thing you were talking about is? Well, the Bolts, yeah, well, I'm just frightened that they're going to bring back another Magna because <laughs> the Magna can fucking stay there. The Magna can die and it can live. I've got an 87 Magna and a super Magna in my garage right now. And the biggest, you know, one of the things every time I pull in my garage and I see that thing, I'm constantly thinking about what is the method of disposal for that bike? Because I know how long the carburetors have been sitting with fuel in them. And it's more than a decade. Do you, um, want, to see, do you want to see the bike that Honda got completely right? Marich has said it's more than two decades. Oh, yes. <laughs> Let me show you the perfect... Merit for the win. <laughs> this is the perfect bike that Honda got completely right. Here, hold on okay. one second. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Merit would completely agree. <laughs> Merit would totally agree with you because that CBR 600, Merit had the CBR 400R, which was the exact same paint livery. Exact. White with the red stripes. Right. Just freaking... You know, I'm, I'm more concerned about this and this. This is what I'm very concerned <laughs> about right now. <laughs> but that's you know, our, I just wish that we could see those acid wash jeans. Yeah, sticking <laughs> out behind them. Well, the thing hey, was, so I, it's like, come on, mom, I don't want to get my picture taken. I, I tiptoes. At that point, I was, I was so, I, I was such a sad dude that like I grew my mohawk out and I decided that a sport bike and a patch jacket would get me all the poon that I needed. So that's <laughs> what happened with this whole scenario. Could you pull that picture back up for us, please? I just have to take a look. <laughs> yes. Because yeah. sometimes it's not what is in the foreground that tells the story. It's what's in the background. So we have a Chrysler. Is that a Chrysler New Yorker? Yes. That was my mom's Chrysler New Yorker. That is a Oldsmobile Burgundy Chrysler New Yorker circa, you know, <laughs> 86 with the, with the talking thing that when like you left the lights on, I'd be like, your lights are on your so door. Is very fancy. Right. What's the blue one in the garage? That's a Camaro or a fire. Does that have the electric return? Camaro or Trans Am? 
No, that's a 1984 Firebird. That was my car. I saved Firebird. I worked I, all summer. I worked 60 hours a week for fucking money. And then when school time came, I had money. So I bought this yeah. bike and I had that car. And so is there a Jeep in there? Is that what I'm oh, saying? That's, that is my dad's. You can see all the Marine stickers on the back. That's his. He was a Ford guy. So that's his Bronco. He had a Bronco. It's a Bronco. Or an Explorer, maybe. An Explorer, maybe, or something like that. I think it's a little too early for an Explorer. Bronco 2. Bronco. Bronco 2, yeah. yeah. Bronco 2, yeah. Yeah. Cool. But Steve, why are you why are you standing on your tiptoes? Oh, that's I always did that. That's me. I'm just a. I, I think it. I I don't know. I, I think that's called a plie. <laughs> yeah, a relevé. Merit again. I'm going to say the peanut gallery it's, right now. It is suggests strong. a certain degree of ass pucker. <laughs> <laughs> but I had I had this bike for a total of four months before my license was suspended for twelve months. So yeah. that was that was the bonus. So that bike, so that CBR six hundred <laughs> with its, you know, and that bike had a, a throbbing sixty four horsepower or seventy yeah, horsepower. Yeah, but as an idiot, that the only other bike I had before that was a Tomos two speed, a Trizinger, and a fucking um, a Suzuki five fifty uh, GSL, and apparently uh, a lawn tractor, and a lawn tractor. Yes, <laughs> that's my racing lawnmower. Leave me alone. I cut. A, that's how I made money for these fucking things. I've cut everybody's grass in the whole goddamn neighborhood, man. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. It's it is it's absolutely hilarious to see the old bikes, to see yeah. like those the first bikes, you know. Well my mom, my mom is eighty some years old and, and she's home and then with the COVID and stuff, she hasn't a lot to do. So a couple of weeks ago I gave her a task. And if you can find a task that your mom or, or her parents or somebody that's left um is into, because I know she's kind of lonely and bored. I was like, Mom, can you in the next couple of weeks take the time to find all the pictures you have of me and my vehicles? And so she handed me an envelope, and I have some fucking good ones, man. Yeah, I there's, love that. There's some good ones from back in the day. And all my RC cars and all the other bullshit. She gave me a whole stack of stuff that was great. Oh, that's cool. But that's you know what's nice about it is because, like, you know, just like when we're doing the motor stories thing, right? Like, yeah. you're, you're telling these stories, and people are probably like, oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. But then the dude that you're talking to the story about gets on there and goes, this is 100%. Actually, Phil toned it down. Quite a bit, blah, 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 yeah. whatever. So it's nice to have the legitimate stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean, like I've told people about this and they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But it's nice to say like, no, I had that this. last, that last Moda story is really fucking lifted up a rock because <laughs> all of the, all of my old friends from the racing days crawled out. Oh and yeah. They all, they all posted up on Facebook and they were like, well, who was it that got ran over at the one race? And, and they were like, no, it was Hodge. You ran over Hodge's head. Like you, you literally ran over his head and his glasses popped out of his helmet. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, that really happened. And, you know, it, it was the only pair of glasses I'd ever broken. Right. And they wouldn't let me use that helmet again. And I was really pissed off. And I was like, yeah, because I fucking used your helmet as a lawn tramp. And they were like, but no, somebody ran over Merritt. Like somebody else ran over Merritt. And I was like, totally different race. Right. Yes. Ryan Bastianelli used Merritt as a lawn tramp and literally hit her in her middle, like in her kidneys area. She was low sided. And when you low side, you're you're stretched out. And yeah, they, they, this dude had hit her square in the middle and he caught air. And then, of course, he stopped and ran back. So right. like, you know, because we're just friends. And uh, I've just never seen, I've never seen something go up online and yeah. have, so like, you know, the new video only has like maybe 500, 600 views or something. Yeah. But out of that, it already has 130 likes and then comments that are all like, oh, yeah, this happened. And I have yeah. more stories, too. Like, it was fucking well, great. We don't have to fabricate everything. We don't have to fabricate anything. We turn a lot of stuff way down because, you, hey, you know, we don't know who's listening yet. 
or yeah. we don't know who's watching it. We some of the shit that Mecklefresh and I have seen happen in the real world is way not great for general consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, stupid, just 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 absolutely bad ideas. Well, you know, and it's kind of it's kind of nice to have you lay the framework, and then people just fill in the gaps with their own. <laughs> Their own humility. <laughs> like, what are they willing? What are they willing to add to this story? <laughs> well, and I think in general, with our dumbasses, what we do is it's the same of like it's like the campfire thing where I'm going to start and I'm going to say, "Hey, what about that time?" And then I'll pass the camera to you, and you aim it at your own face, and you say, "Well, but this then this happened over here," and then you pass it to somebody else, and they're like, "Oh, well, you don't know that while you dumbasses were doing that, these idiots were over there doing that." Right, and you start yeah. filling in all the gaps, man. Yeah. And next thing you know, you've recreated the entire scene. Yeah. Because a lot of this stuff was captured in the days when a video camera weighed 21 pounds. Right. You know, and so nobody was just filming it. Nobody's this running is, around. This is how crimes it. are solved. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out it was Steve Hofford on the grass, grassy knoll. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was in Steve Hofford in the, the storage container. <laughs> with the heat pump <laughs> oh john what you got there oh there you go look at that holy crap oh my goodness a basic rider course certificate john knuckle fresh what year is that 89 no this is from uh 2005 i think oh. i went and took it just for the fun of it yeah you know i had i'd had my license for many years and everything and i'm like you know what I would think I was thinking about becoming an instructor. So you had to take the basic course before you could become an instructor. So I signed up and took it just for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was worth taking for 35 bucks. It's amazing what you learn and what you, you figure out how to take tests. So like one year I went to renew my motorcycle license or license in general. And you know, you're not paying attention. You hand it to the lady, she hands it back. I get home and I look and there's no motorcycle endorsement. And I'm like, fuck, they forgot my motorcycle endorsement. So I go back and I'm like, hey, you forgot my motorcycle endorsement. They're like, yeah, fuck you. You have to take the test again. It's like, ah, okay. But now if you've been doing it for long enough, you know to take a 50cc fucking twist throttle scooter. And, and it's way more fun when you do that to go take your test. Because then you're just flipping through it and everything. And all the guys showing up on their choppers who finally got caught and now they have to get their license. They don't have anybody that has a scooter. So they're trying to do the motorcycle test on a 17 foot long Borget chopper with the fucking turning raise to eight feet. And it gets real interesting. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, Phil's gone. Oh no, I went away. Uh, Dude. Yeah, that was uh that was ugly. I don't know how that happened so bad and so fast, but it did. That's like yeah. a Steve Hoffert type of deal over there. It is. It got ugly fast. I tried to, again, trying to do anything on Merritt's computer that I can normally do on mine is just a bad fucking idea. <laughs> trying to get creative, not going to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just a bad scene. The, uh, this, you know, we're looking forward into the future and um, they've announced that the AMA Vintage Days is scheduled to be, uh, what, July 21st through 23rd, I believe. Is that this year's or next year's? Yeah, it was gonna, is that 2021 or 2022? Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've been had 2020. They haven't canceled 2020 yet, have they? I think so. <laughs> Still being delayed. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. If they have a next one, it's, it's, they haven't canceled 2020. But and, if it's postponed, they still have to hold it. Right. And they did say, and, and the, the, the thing that went out said, this would be a really good time to reserve your hotel rooms. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think that's a really good time to reserve your hotel rooms. Not if you are in the habit of, you know, getting a deposit back or anything like that. 
Um, it seems like this is going to start telling, selling, selling tickets for 2021 and they haven't given the money back for 2020. Right. Yeah, it's true. That's exactly right. This is such a hard time for people. Our buddy Kevin, Kevin's bar closed yesterday, man. Yeah. So Moonglow's Moon Glow's officially done. Uh, and it's because of COVID and all the strangeness and fucking weird. I mean, like, so, yeah, sucks, well, man. And to to do this, like, you know, looking at our thing and looking at our motorcycle world and all the motorcycle events that we like to go to, if they said, if they said right now, there's going to be a motorcycle show, there's going to be a motorcycle of fucking whatever the hell that you want to call it, a race or anything like we did when we went to the one show in Portland, um, anything like that. If they said it's, it's on and it's going to happen and it's going to be happening at the IX Center and it's going to be happening in three weeks, right? And it's legal, and the governor says it's okay. Would you go? No, I was thinking. I actually was thinking about this yesterday. You know, I was thinking. Well, I wonder if I ever actually had COVID or whatever. Right. And I'm like, man, we went out to that Portland show, and there was everybody from all over the world. Yeah. Was there? I'm like, how could you? You know, like there had to be somebody there at that time that had COVID. I'm yeah. like, yeah, no. I'm like, I would never. You know, that was the last show. That was the last thing that I was at where there were a bunch of people where it was, you know, sitting in stands and watching something, then that'll probably be the last thing I've seen for a while, probably well into next year. I mean, I, there'll be no concerts. There'll be no nothing, large group gatherings for me for a while. You can, you can tell me it's legal. You can tell me it's great. And, you know, there's political rallies that are still going to be happening in Georgia and stuff next week. And they're like, oh, well, we're not telling people they're not allowed to go. It's still, you're allowed to go. Fuck no, I'm not going to even, that doesn't cross my mind. And I feel extremely bad for people that have their restaurants and the bars. But a big thing is people are saying they're like, they're blaming the governor because the rules of, you know, we're not going to be allowed to be open past 10 p.m. or you're going to have to be at 50% capacity. Well, that's fine that the governor made those rules, but I have never, ever made a decision about anything in my life based on what the government said was legal. Never. <laughs> no, never. I've made a lot of decisions based on what I thought was sensible. Right. Very rarely ever because, oh, well, we're not going to do that because it's illegal. No. No, no, we're going to do that. We're just not going to get caught. You know, we're going to make sure that we set things up so we can get away with doing it because I don't let the government establish my standards for fun or safe behavior because I'm smart, you know, and I like to think that self-preservation is pretty high up except for when I've been drinking. Well, that's and, I try to keep my choices like, is my decision going to hurt anybody else? And right. that's it. That's, that's my limit of stupidity. Nothing that our governor said kept me away from the Moon Glow Lounge. No, no. I love Kevin and Hadley dearly, but I don't love them enough to go get a fucking stupid disease that I'm going to end up giving to the rest of my staff and closing my shop down. Right. You know, and just, it just so happens that their bar is a bar that takes place for the most part indoors. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, it, the COVID keeps getting closer and closer to me. It's like, uh, you know, more friends, uh, you know, just heard today that Piper's one girlfriend who who's been staying home from school. She's a homeschooler, but her mom got it. And then so the her, the mom got it, then the boyfriend got it, then all three kids got it. And it's like, well, where did you get where did she get it? And like Peggy's like, well, she's always posting pictures of going out and going to bars and going here and going there. So you know, she probably didn't get it from work. Well, that's crazy. Like even my kid like my older kids that go to a different school. For the longest time, they were like the one is at home. My senior, the the girl that's a senior, is going into school, 
And for the longest time, it was like precautions being taken, precautions being taken. The last five weeks, every day I get a thing. Three people have got COVID at the thing. We have to tell you because of this. Five people have gotten COVID. Three people. I'm like, fuck, why don't you send her home? Why is she still going to this fucking school every day? And all these people are getting COVID. But we were making, we were following the precautions, but you weren't protecting yourself. No. You were following the precautions, but the precautions weren't adequate. Right. Um, we keep having thousands and thousands of more cases in the state of Ohio every day. We're up to over 10,000 cases per day. And if your numbers are still going up, whatever you're doing is not working. No. And that's the definition. I don't care who's in charge. Whatever you're doing, if the numbers are still going up, is this is not working. Yeah, okay. it's, not, it's no longer people, you know, second removed or third removed. It's people that we have seen, you know, Piper's, you know, her Spanish teacher, who she had Spanish with class with, got COVID. So that was a first-person contact. Uh, she manages to not get it because of wearing a mask and everything, but she was in the same room with that woman when she had it. So, right. Here's a weird little thing for you about um, how it may or may not affect businesses. I sold two vehicles today, which is something considering what's happening outside. Uh, but I sold a Triumph motorcycle and I sold a vintage Japanese truck. Um, I sold those two things today and nobody came into my shop. Like nobody physically gained ent entrance to our shop. Our mechanic stayed in his area. I stayed in my area and Renee stayed in her area and we managed to sell things. And the funny thing is when I'm going outside and you know, the people want to come in, they're like putting their foot in the door and they want to fucking want to go in and browse, man. Everybody wants to browse and have the shopping experience because it's black Friday for fuck's sake. And this guy really wanted to come in. And I said, well, no, I said, you know, this is, this is getting a little scary. It's getting out of control. It's blossoming and blooming. And I don't want anybody in my shop to get sick. So we're going to do it this way. What do you want? I'm going to bring it out to you. What do you want? So I can, you know, bring the bikes out so you can see them. And he explained it. So I took a couple of bikes out so he could see them outside. And so he was one of these guys that doesn't believe that his nose is up here. He thinks his nose is like down here. <laughs> and so he keeps the mask down here at, you know, port arms or whatever, like the mask is at half staff because the general died. And so this is him and this is his daughter as well. And they're, they're doing this. And we were talking, it's like, Oh yeah, no, this and that and this and that. And he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, it's, it's, it's just this thing. He's like, you know, um, it's, it's cutting down on our ability to do stuff. And, and it, it's just so unfair. And, you know, my son just came home from OSU and he came home for Thanksgiving and he's got COVID. And I went, wait, your son just came home from college with COVID. I assume he's in your house right now. Yeah. And you're trying to get into my store and you've got a kid in your house with COVID and you don't even have a good mask on and proper deployment. Like his brain isn't working and he's not an idiot. This is a, you know, this is a captain of the world. He operates in with a big fancy vehicle. Like when he opened doors, like a, a step came out, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's a cool car. Right. But he's out there and he was going to come into my shop. And I, I fortunately didn't let him into the shop. And then the other shoe dropped that this dude's got a person in his house that has COVID. Oh, dude. What the fuck? So I think, guys, let's all of us protect ourselves, man. Jesus Christ. Don't play by the rules. Defend your fucking life. Yeah. You know? What do you think about that, Hopper? About what? <laughs> <laughs> I was just, just checking to see if you're still awake. Yep. No, I'm. I want to say if Kevin needs a job, I'm going to be hiring an operator. Hey, hey, <laughs> we all want to be operators. 
I'm a well, in January. I'm hiring an operator. So if, there you go. Think I mean, about. It. I mean, we've got at least four smooth operators in this podcast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What do you have to operate when you like operator? Seriously, I'm hiring an operator. That is the most vague job description in the history of job description. I got this Klondike one. <laughs> two, three, two, three. <laughs> you got to operate everything. No, you work. Uh, you you operate for your operator mechanic. So for three weeks, you're a mechanic and you work on the equipment. Like you just repair things, replace things, whatever. For one week, you're an operator, so you work seven days in a row, Work, and then you get two days off during the, the, the following week, and then you go back to your normal shift. So I have, uh, I have six employees, including me. Four guys rotate. One guy's my chief operator, and, and then an operator just, you know, they call it, well, they're operator mechanics, basically, so they do mechanics. It's mechanic work and operating the plant. Third shift? No, it's just a first shift. It's uh, whenever you want to come in, eight hours. Put in 40 hours. I give all my guys comp time. Uh, there's vacation. You know, you get vacation. Sick time. 50 days of vacation. There's sick time a, a year. All that stuff. I mean, the benefits are good. The... the um, the medical stuff is really good. It's you, you can have a, a deferred comp, everything. Yeah, it's OPRS. It's a Ohio Public Pension too, right? Right. But I can't waste my time. Will I make over seven dollars and thirty cents an hour? Yeah, it's like I think they just got a bump. I was trying to get them five bucks an hour, but my boss didn't want to hear it. So there, I think it's like twenty six bucks an hour. There you go. There you go, Steve. You can do all the audio and video production you want and be getting an actual living wage. Right. Yeah. Working for Steve. Yeah. On, on a very obscure, apparently a very obscure work schedule that you get to set yourself. I love it. I'm in. Yeah. yeah. No, that sounds good. Yeah. All it right. does sound good. We'll talk tomorrow. Yeah. That, sound, that sounds like a J-O-B job. Yeah. I heard I heard it include, some, things, uh, some things that need to be painted. Yeah, Does it include free <laughs> lodging in a shipping container? <laughs> shipping container extra. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those old uh, those old guys that worked on the railroad, and they just had those bunk houses, and they're just going to drop in shipping containers, you know? Yeah, right. And load in a shipping container, and that's where five guys live. And then when you get when you need more, you just bring in another shipping container. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm telling you, no, seriously. I mean. You could work like my guys. Uh, we have the best. I have the best crew in the city. Everybody's happy. Everybody gets along. I mean, it's like the the guy that's leaving. We call him Krampus because <laughs> he's one of the. I don't know. He's. I mean, he's one of the guys that. I mean, he's not a bad guy, but it's just. It's just that it's time for him to retire. Okay, so they need to loosen up a little bit. Yeah. Right. He needed to just retire and he's going to be happier retired. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him, but I need to get somebody in there that wants to bust their ass. And I mean, there's plenty of painting to do if you want to come there and paint. So, well, no, I'm, I there's paint, yeah. pipes. <laughs> painting is definitely, I, that's my freedom. I, I missed it. I did it for a long time and I gave it up for a while, but I'm going to get back. That's what I'm doing right now. 
So it's going to be. Fun. I did want to. I did want to ask about the painting thing because I right. will raise my hand as saying I in my life have painted two motorcycles. Right. Um, two from the ground up, and again, one of them is still in my garage. It's a Honda Magna, um, and it's a lovely shade of semi-gloss black. Um, it, it's. Uh, I don't know if I would call it eggshell necessarily, or more of an orange peel. Okay. Uh, but it's a. Uh, it's a. I did my best. I did the body work. It had a big dent in it. I used water. I froze water to push the dent out and uh, then sanded everything a lot, used many, many types of sandpaper. That's and then I used a Bondo type product to smooth things. Mm -hmm. And then once the Bondo, and then I used sandpaper again. And then I purchased the all of the stuff. I, I purchased a cup sprayer and I purchased filters for my air compressor and I purchased paint and I purchased clear coat and various different devices and things like that. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars spent on supplies alone. And then I sprayed it. And then uh, after I sprayed it, then you have to, apparently you have to do a thing called sanding again. Wet sanding. Color sanding. Color sanding, yeah. Which is more meant, uh, why the fuck did I sand it so many pine times to begin with? I'm going to sand it some more. And then I sprayed it again. And then I color sanded it again. And then I eventually just gave up and clear coated it. Because I had just, I at this point had way too many coats of things on the on the gas tank, right. and it looks like dog shit. Um, it looks terrible. There's there's no part of it that ever looks good. It looks bad at every angle. So, just for the idiots out there who have tried to spray something with a spray can or, or whatever, what exactly? If you had to start with metal, like let's just say you had a a, a gas tank. Yeah. And you've said, fuck it, I'm going to take all the paint off. And so now you've used some products and you have all the paint off of the fucking thing. What do you have to do to get it up again? Because now what I've learned after the couple of times I've tried to paint something, it's just fucking better to give it some, to somebody who knows what they're doing and give them money as opposed to wasting hundreds of dollars worth of supplies and making yourself feel bad. Well, it all depends on what, what your tenacity is and like how interested you're into painting a surface, but it comes down to prep work. As long as you do the prep work and you make it smooth and you follow you know, certain rules, you can get stuff done. Um, a big thing, I mean, like you can, make it, you can have a really good paint job with rattle cans now. It's crazy how good things have come, whatever, but it's all going to be about the prep work. So you have to make sure it's smooth. You have to go through the things, make, you know, like you said, starting from metal, you're going to want at least a 600 grit to give it tooth to whatever you're putting on it to stick to that metal. Um, that's a sealer or like a two-part primer or even a high-build primer or something, depending on what you're doing, professional or whatever. But I had used a high-build primer, and I got a good coat of primer on there and got a good sanding. And I mean, I spent so much time sanding this fucking thing that I was like, like this is perfect. This is the best example of it was smoother than fuck. There was no irregularities to the surface. I feel like I did an excellent job on prep and then everything must've went to shit. <laughs> it can, it can. Yeah. I mean, anything from humidity to everything changes all kinds of stuff with paint. It's really weird. And sometimes you'll do everything right. But this is how ridiculous it is. Um, I was doing this summer, I was you know working on different things, whatever. And I had a rag that I was using for in between sprays or whatever uh, to clean the surface. And I had sweated and the sweat had like, I dripped on the rag and I didn't know it. And when I did it that time, it ruined the whole fucking paint job. So it's like little things like that. Like, you know, you just, it's, it's consistency and following. The worst thing is fish eye, you know, like you get some oil or something that contaminates that surface. 
surface, and you spray it, and the fucking proof, it won't stick to it. It just fucking. Here's a here's a slick trick. I don't care if you're spraying, if you're just spraying your lawnmower to make it look less shitty or whatever. If you go to Home Depot, they sell this three dollar and ninety four cent like aerosol can of glass cleaner, and it's like it comes out. It's like a foamy white thing. It's yeah. like old school. It looks like nineteen fifty kind of label. It's on. white and blue. Yeah, white and blue, right? right. That, white and blue. It's and it's been that way for a hundred years. Hundred yeah. years. That stuff. If you spray that and wipe everything down, that's better than any of the fifty dollar like wax degreasers or all the other bullshit you can use. In fact, there's a lot of complete professional guys out there doing insane jobs, and they're using that between coats when they're done. Like you know, they're going to do it and they're going to let it dry for a day or two. They're going to come back. Mm -hmm. They literally spray glass cleaner on it and wipe it off and pull it out. Wow. But no, it's it's weird. Like what the thing about paint is that you have to get into a routine. So if you're going to do it like one or two times, watch tutorials, watch guys, like watch everything you can and do it. Do all the prep work you can. Make sure your primer is good. Do your guide coats, et cetera, et cetera. And then make sure your paints are compatible. Like, mm -hmm. you know, but it's really easy now. So like even for guys that are doing it at home, um, the biggest thing is clear coat. If you can make the base relatively cool, as long as you can clear it with three or four or five coats of clear coat, you're going to get a nice glossy finish. And now they actually sell stuff where they're 2K. So back in the day, if you were doing a home rattle can thing, you could spray a clear coat on it, but it's still just a one stage. There's no activator in it. It's just like your normal off-the-shelf mm -hmm. stuff. So that's all cool if you're doing your daughter's you know, trophy and it's making it nice for a room. But if you're going to dump gas on it at some point on your gas tank, it's just going to erode that it's going to go right. away. But so now they have 2K. So like that means two-part. And so on the bottom of the can, they have a thing where you squirt, squirt, it hit it, and it squirts hardener into it. And now okay. you can shoot that on your tank. So all your home jobs, all these guys in there just doing an okay job. If you can get yeah. 2K clear and squirt that 2K clear on there, you're going to have a halfway decent job at the end of the day. I was doing some research on using Rust-Oleum to paint things, you know, and that's what guys were saying. Take Rust-Oleum, buy a cheap quart of Rust-Oleum, and put hardener in it, uh -huh. and it'll give you a nice hard gloss. And, you know, like normal Rust-Oleum, you paint it, it's glossy before you touch it, but as soon as you touch it, it doesn't, it's not hard enough to keep, you know, it gets little micro scratches in it. Right. But if you put some hardener in it, then it keeps that nice gloss finish. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the thing. So, like, paint's weird, but like, you, you as you get into it, more you learn about it. It's just basically like you're spraying whatever you're doing with epoxy. Like, once you have professional paint, you're using two part, of course, that gives you a window. So, your paint's going to either like, within depending on what you're using between two and eight hours or even a day or two it's not going to be usable anymore it's going to harden you have a two-part epoxy and that's the difference between like going to home depot and buying paint you could do all the prep work and and do all the paint make it look really nice and hit it with a clear coat that you can get at home depot or whatever but you don't have that curing process it's just it's a paint that's just leaching gas out to make it kind of dry and it might take a full month for it to get kind of dry but it's still never really cured. And if you get another substance like gasoline or, you know, yeah, don't pour gasoline on it. It'll fuck it right up. Yep. It'll fuck it up. But that's the difference. So like when you go to a professional thing and you have two part paint, it's like, it's epoxy, it's sealing it, you know, mm -hmm. here's something. So here's anybody that's going to paint something at home and you're all excited about it and you're doing a great job and it came out great and you're stoked. And then the first time you fill up a gas, your whole tank falls apart. <laughs> One of the things is, the, the nozzle, like the little, you know, the lip where your thing goes down, you can't paint that. No. And that's where most paint jobs go bad because if gas or gasoline sneaks underneath your clear coat or anything on that lip, it goes over. Yeah. I mean, so I've seen that on hundreds of bikes. 
so, in the shop where it, the gas, the paint job looks fantastic, but around the filler cap, there's, you could tell there's ingress and it's leaching out and it's lifting the paint up or it's discoloring the clear coat. Yeah. Here's the $10 million tip for everybody. If you have a, if you bought a bike and the paint's cool on it and you look at the gas tank and you don't see anything around there, like there's not nice metal showing, mm-hmm. sand that lip, sand everything around there and get, so there's this, you know, you can see that there's nice metal around it. Right. Go to somewhere and find yourself a paintbrush and then get yourself some JB Weld. Mix up a little JB Weld and then with the paintbrush, paint from the top of the paint onto the metal, a little ring around there. And this really look clear link. And JB Weld, gasoline does nothing to it. Okay. If you can seal that paint and you have the straight metal mm-hmm. and there's like a nice dividing line between that and the paint, and you can seal that with a little little ring of JB Weld around that. Literally line. painting JB Weld on. Yeah, as a sealant around the the gas will never get to your paint. It won't fuck your shit up. Holy shit. I never, I would have never thought about that. Cause JB weld is something that we, we make into putty. Yeah. And then we put it places we broke, we formerly broke metal, you know, right. but it's super, it's super resilient to any kind of like, you know, gasolines or any of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So it literally creates a, there's also some paints that are gas fuel resistant too. Like I had, I bought master series primer. It's a, marine and methyl ethyl ketone based paint and it's really dangerous you can't spray it you would not want to get it you cannot get it like even on you and stuff but you can literally paint the inside of a gas tank with it and it's fuel safe so maybe you could get some of that and just paint paint around the top of the gas tank yeah but all you have to do like so here's the thing so with 2k clear when you get to like a professional style clear or that clear i was talking about that is impervious to gas. Once that cures and stuff, it's a layer, whatever. But the thing is, is up by the neck, if you don't treat the top of the neck, it doesn't matter how impervious it is. If that gas can sneak between the two layers, you're right. fucked. So it's basically like putting a head gasket on the top of your gas tank to keep the gas out of the other thing, you know? So like the actual the surfaces, they're impervious to gas, but it's just that that split between the two things. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's a hell of a tip because that's something too. Anybody who buys a motorcycle that's not running a factory paint job. Right. Everybody has a gas cap. Everybody can look in that gas cap. We've all seen it. Those fucking Royal Enfields. When we had those Enfields, you'd open the gas cap and you would see the paint inside already turning into rubber and lifting up. It'll show. Um, like I've seen it painted it into the gas tank. Right. But even on like a lot of Harleys and stuff like that, yeah. you'll look and dudes will be filling up and you look over and you can start to see the, like the chip aways on the, the thing. That's because they didn't seal it. They didn't, that shouldn't okay. be, the paint should start below the neck. If you can, like yeah. you tape it all the way around or right. you can paint it, but then you want to sand it. Or the best thing to do is even run the bead of, of right. weld around it and then you're solid. Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, that kind of brings up the question of um, coating the inside of the tank. And I, I just, it seems like a really bad idea to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Phil's has seen this, but like, I don't know if you've been on the things long enough, there's dudes that have done it for 50 years that say like, you know, if it's a rusted tank, you can't do anything else. It'll work. And then there's other guys that say it ruins their lives and that, you know, it's the, I don't know. Phil, how the much- only reason that I, the only reason that I coated a tank was because it had been previously coated and it failed. And so I did the best that I could to peel all the other shit out of it. The cream that was in it, fucking cream. And so I went and I recoded it with something that, you know, was it, you know, a guy, you know, it was Ellis Holman who's done countless restorations on old bikes and stuff. He recommended it highly to me. He said, I've been using it for 20 years and I have bikes that they've had gas in them for 20 years and never failed. 
So I only did it as a remediation to a failed coating. And what coating was that, John, that you ended up using? Well, the, the, like it was cream, and I used that methyl ethyl ketone. It's called Master Series Primer, and it's silver. So when you look in the tank, it, just looks, it looks like nice, shiny silver tank. It almost looks like a new tank. Yeah. We've used well, it. You know, let's just dump it in there, dump it in there, you know, swish it around, roll it around, dump out the excess, wipe off the, you know, try not to. If you get it on anything, it's, it's right up there with fucking anti-seas it like it doesn't wipe off it it's serious shit but when it once it cures and what's and it's it's a water-based cure too so it's not it doesn't air dry it's almost more like super glue where it needs water moisture to cure cure yeah that's interesting the i mean we have in the shop we've our rule is just we don't want to cream i'm, I'm not even going to say cream por 15 caswell yeah. Red Coat, you know, these products that we have used, um, we don't use those unless a tank is leaking. So if a tank is leaking, we'll clean a tank and we'll go to heroic efforts with various different chemicals and, you know, abrasives, uh, nuts and bolts and screws to agitate the tank and take anything that was in there before out, whether it's a liner or whether it's rust. And the liners can be a fucking nightmare. But once you've got all that crap out and you've etched the tank, then there's that, that decision you have to make whether once it's etched, it can be really, really hard to keep it from rusting again if you're not having it full. You've got the milkstone. Yeah, the milkstone remover right there. And, and that stuff, we can tell you, we've used that for so long and it works so predictably. Um, it's probably the best thing we've ever used. It's a muriatic-based acid. What's the, what's the stuff from Home, um, not Home Depot, Harbor Freight that they sell, the rust remover stuff that Supposedly, like some people love it, some people hate it. But apparently, is it the metal rescue? Yeah, maybe it's metal rescue or rust, rust away or rust. No, fuck, rust, rust be gone. Uh, it's the one John just held up. That's a uh, that's phosphoric acid. Phosphoric acid, yeah. So the muriatic acid and the phosphoric acid, those and they work. You know, um, those those function. They do cut and they'll they have a really aggressive bite to them and they do remove everything from the inside of the tank and they look beautiful when they're done they destroy aluminum so yes. don't take your fuel taps out take your fuel tap off take everything out then you know block everything off with yeah. bungs and whatnot anything that's oh, not then, steel is if you, as long, you just want it to not drip or leak so you can keep that fill it all the way up to the tippy top for at least 24 hours oh, yeah. and keep maybe it more if you want but yeah. you can dump it out of one tank you can dump it out of one tank and dump it right into another yeah i have a I have a friend who's a, a, a chemist for Sherwin Williams. If we ever want to ask him a question, oh, hey, um, has anybody, so the stuff I was thinking of was evapo rust. Is, oh, that, is that does that work in a tank at all or no? I've never played with it. Yeah. No, okay. Because no. I evapo rust from Harbor Freight. It's like I, the reason I even knew about it. I was reading an article about you know uh, guys working on a rust. Yeah, that, that's what I used in the. Um, the CS5 tank. It works oh, really did? good, but it, it, it takes, about, takes about five days and you have to have it at 80 or 90 degrees. And do you have temperature. to take it? Like, do you have to put bolts and stuff in the tank and rotate it and everything or no? I did that in the cleaning step, but not in the de-rusting step. Okay. Because I've heard that that's what you have to do is you have to get those things going in there with the solution and it helps break all the rust stuff off and move it. Yeah, a good cleaner degreaser and uh, 
I use chain. Who? Like Ten feet of small chain. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Phil, have you had any, like, when you guys were doing a lot of restoration and stuff, how many people brought this, this bikes in with tanks that were just failing all over the place? All the place. Time? All the time. And... The, and I did look it up just for fun. The metal rescue and the evapo rust, um, there is a certain element of a Clark Kent Superman thing going on here. They never see them in the same place at the same time. They might be chemically competitive with each other. Gotcha. So um, their pricing is almost identical. Yeah. You know, you may, at this chain, you may be able to buy metal rescue and at this chain, you may be able to buy evaporust. The bottles do look slightly different, but they're sold in relatively the same quantities for the same price. Hmm. So, and that statement of leave it immersed in there and keep it warm. So like, you know, it works really good at 80 degrees. It doesn't work very good at 50 degrees. Hmm. And uh, that is consistent with metal rescue. We've used a ton of it. They used to be a sponsor on our show. And that is absolutely with Metal Rescue. It will make your stuff look great, but if it's not 80 degrees, it's going to take 10 times as long. Mm. So that's a, that's a big thing. So, but yeah, bringing people bringing in gas tanks, the biggest crime is always paint over rust. Um, we've seen tons of the tanks that people bring in where, you know, they bought the bike secondhand or thirdhand or fifthhand, and the guy that sold it to make it look pretty lipstick on a pig uh, painted the thing eh, and didn't prep it right and whatever. And yeah, half the time, the bottoms of Suzuki gas tanks in particular will rot right on those seams, right on those welded seams. That's and, Nick is having that problem. Nick with his Bandit yeah. 400. Yeah, real, real common. And it's totally, thing. and it's because, you know, when you weld things, you're changing the metal a lot. And those seams that are down there, that's where the rust tends to accumulate. And so if you've got rust, which is, you know, that is going to create a chemical reaction in there with your metal welding that's going on. So it's the worst of all the things. It's going to be your, your rusty metal is sitting down there with the other contaminants. It's moving around. It's being agitated. And it's on a seam where two pieces of metal meet with a weld. Right. So no shit, it's going to rust there. And they rust like a son of a bitch. So yeah, that's a, that's something that for sure, you know, uh, how many times have we gone in? We have the bike sitting in the back of the shop. It's just come in for service. The fuel tap is turned off, but it is dripping. Yeah. Like it's in a cave and you're, you're dripping and you're like, you go to put your hand under there and all of a sudden all the paint comes off on your hand. Yeah. You're like, oh shit. And then you move your fingers back and forth and you're literally pulling metal off of the gas tank. It's just scaling off. And you're like, you call the customer, you're like, well, this tank is fucked yeah. because we're not going to spend the money it takes to, to pull the tank, drain the tank, clean the tank. Nobody with their fucking right mind welds on a gas tank. Like, I have a tip for that. Yeah. If you do decide you want to try that, one of the hillbilly things that I've heard is you take the, the tank and you put it over the exhaust pipe of a car. And you let the car run, and so you're fill, you're burning out the inside of the, getting the fumes out, uh -huh. but you're also filling it with inert gas, carbon, uh -huh. mono, carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, so it really can't blow up while you're welding on it. Yeah. Hmm. The ones that I have welded myself personally that I've done some stuff, repair work on gas tanks, um, and I've purged them and I've washed them out with water, like quadruple rinsed them to the point where I was like, this is fine. This is going to be a, not going to be a problem. Uh, when I'm welding them, 
it's not flash over. It's not boom. It's that's not what I'm worried about. It's just the metal that's the 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 gasoline, the hydrocarbons and stuff that are caught in the metal places that just acts weird and it just screws your welds all up. And it becomes really, really hard to make a good weld uh, because on this side of the weld, everything looks great. But on that side of the weld, the side you can't see, you're getting a shitty weld. And so I haven't gotten good welds, good repair welds, putting metal into a tank that um, because of what has been inside of the tank, what has impregnated that metal. Um, so I haven't gotten very good results in doing repair welds on gas tanks. And that is the time when you do have to use some side of, some sort of a coating. Is there, well, I've heard of guys who you could have a tank that's empty for years yeah. and you strike a match to it and woof, it'll still go up. It's and just well, in that, the pores. Yeah. That happens. I mean, I had a pump that was down for 10 years and we took the inspection ports off and, you know, you're, I had a flashlight, but the, one of the asshole mechanics brought out a lighter and I'm like, don't do that. And he lit the light. He lit it up. It blew yeah. out in his face. He had no hair left. He had no eyebrows left. No hair left. He had to go. He went went, went, went to the hospital. He had like a first degree burn on his face and no eyebrows. Speaking of but that, you take the dents out of the tank. <laughs> Speaking of that, Steve, you know, um, episode three hundred three. I don't know if you remember last week when we were standing outside by that bum fire. Oh yeah, you were on fire, dude. Yeah. Do you have eyebrows? <laughs> Well, let me feel. Yeah. Still there. <laughs> but he's Lebanese, so they're like half of what they were last week. It's fun. <laughs> it was like I came back out. I had gone the, I had gone into the shop and I was on my way out and I just heard you guys like the fire was wrapped around Steve's head. Wrapped around him, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. The foam, uh, the foam cover on the microphone is all melted on the one side. Yes, it is. I'm yeah. sure it is, dude. <laughs> that fire it turned around and it got gnarly for a minute it came and started kissing everybody that was crazy. i like the way john's playing with a flamethrower next to his plastic car <laughs> <laughs> put some brake fluid on it brake cleaner that'll be good your car your entire car is made of petroleum products <laughs> <laughs> there'll, there'll be corvette running out down my driveway yeah, I'm getting adventurous. I'm getting adventurous. I'm going to the Christmas pickle. Wait, Ooh, wait. Christmas pickle. Yeah. Wow, so that's shiny. It's it's a it's a pickled flavored gauche. Yeah. Right. Oh, the pickle pickleback has gotten way out of control. There's <laughs> so much pickle flavored crap coming out this season. Um, I it's. Am I wrong? But pickle flavor is just dill and brine, right? It's just salt and dill. That's it, that's I mean, all right, dude. I can drink this. This is all. You guys know? You guys know about the Christmas pickle? Tell me. Yeah, it's a tradition where you have a little like a pickle ornament of yep. some type, and you hide it in your house when you have people over for Christmas, mm -hmm. and whoever finds the pickle gets like a door prize or a special gift. I did hide one on the tree, but you don't get no gift if you find <laughs> it. <laughs> We'd gotten a Christmas pickle as a gift years ago, or just somehow randomly showed up one of those like uh, Polish glass ornaments, and it just showed up. And I thought it was the strangest thing to just have a Christmas pickle. And yeah, we do this with friends, and they hide it. They'll hide it almost anywhere. You know, they hide the pickle. Really? They yeah. will, will they? 
So <laughs> speaking of all these pickles, and since Chris Smith isn't here, I have something for you guys. And you'll get a special gift. Yeah. So this yeah. this guy was having really problems stuttering. He started stuttering really, really bad, and it was driving him crazy. And he, he was going to his office and doing all this work, and stuttering was really holding him back. So he made an appointment with the doctor. He went in, he's like, da, 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 doc, doc, I'm having, having huge problems with st- stuttering. It's really affecting my, my, my life. Doc's like, I'll give you a full rundown. We'll figure this out. So he puts him through all these x-rays and everything. He comes back. He's like, I don't mean to bring this up. I know it sounds weird, but uh, there's a lot of studies that show that having a huge penis leads to stuttering. You, sir, have a huge penis. He's like, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. He's like, well, I, I can show you test results. He's like, whatever you need to do, do it, do, 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 do it, because I have to stop stuttering. He's like, okay. So the guy wakes up and he's like, uh, we had to take four inches of penis away from you. Um, you're still hung pretty well, but um, let me hear you say. He's like, wow, doc, uh, this is amazing. I can talk. This is great. And he's like, oh, great. I'm glad everything worked out and goes home. Well, about a week later, his wife starts complaining because her sex life's not that good anymore. And so he goes back to the doctor and he's like, hey, doc, he goes, listen, you cured the stuttering and it's, it's been great. Um, but apparently my wife's not really happy. Is there any way that I could possibly get my few inches back? Doctor kind of looks at me and goes, well, I, I d- 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 don't think I can do, the, do that for you. That was my Christmas joke. Thank you very much. What do they, what do they call it when you're masturbating with a pickle? I don't know. I don't know. What do they call it? Gherkin off. I like it. Yeah. So uh, what the other one was, uh, what happens when life gives you pickles instead of lemons? I don't know. What, that, what happens? You deal with it. <laughs> you deal with it. <laughs> this is all for Smith. We miss you, buddy. When Chris Smith doesn't show up, we get the other ones. <laughs> we get the other ones out and they're not good. Hey, Chris, we need you. Yeah. <laughs> bring your bring your jokes back, baby. Uh, his jokes. Yeah. Back. Oh my god. So what do we got coming up? Is there anything? Where they, so we're all in purple. We're probably not going to be able to unless Steve opens up. Well, is Steve dead? <laughs> is he there anymore? <laughs> Before the podcast started, we brought this up, and he snickered at us for making fun of him for falling asleep. For falling asleep. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. But so maybe maybe we'll have a live podcast at Steve Shop, huh? Maybe. I don't think that's a bad idea. I mean, I'd like to try it. I'd like to see what it's all about. And um, it'd be fun. I mean, that's... What do you guys... Do you guys love or hate these? The uh, butane-powered soldering iron? Depends on where you are. If you need one and there's no electricity, it's it's fucking lifesavers, man. Right. I kind of just use it as my regular soldering iron because... I can use it anywhere and I don't have to plug it in. Yeah, that one's a good one and they heat up real fast. Um, yeah, they're 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 they heat up faster than a regular soldering iron. Yeah. The only reason I don't like them is because they're not really variable. Right. And what I did like about yeah. it is a couple of them have had, have had the removable tip. And so the butane soldering irons that have the removable tip, you've got the torch effect, but then you put the tip on and now it's a soldering iron again. So it's a good thing to have in your toolbox, you know, the roadside toolbox. Uh, because as long as you've got butane, Plus, you know, you have to pretty much buy a can of butane and almost fill it up every time you use it. Yeah, but yeah. that's every single one I've ever had is just whatever amount of butane you put in it. That's going to be for the job because three months later, when you pull it out, you again, can see it has a little element that that heats up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And that's also handy for shrink wrap too. So that's another, you know, that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. I've, I've, I've always liked Can you spray those. some brake fluid on that? <laughs> I can. <laughs> I can. You want me to? Must I? Well, I don't want to melt my car. <laughs> if things get out of hand, it's it's virtually free Corvette. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah. good lord, here we go. <laughs> no, no, no. Dan Dan gets credit for peer pressure on that one. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know where I did with the brake fluid. Here, oh, there you go. I'll do it not at my Corvette. No, exactly. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, it's not an open flame. No, it's I think it's all caloric. Flame. Yeah, it's not an open flame. Well, that so gives me hope because everybody was saying like, if you red hot, but it, it yeah. didn't uh, didn't light it up. No, but everybody's been saying if I don't have a specific type of ventilation fan, like a brushless, like fucking like. Uh, encapsulated fucking exhaust fan. I might blow yourself up. I'm gonna fucking explode. This motherfucker shooting woof juice on a fucking like glowing <laughs> red hot thing and it won't explode. So I think I'm okay. I think it's. I okay. mean, I've gotten away with using a fucking shop vac that it, you know, like j- just sucks it out of the air and blows it outside. Right. An electric motor that makes sparks. That's a different thing from what John was just holding. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, as far as sources of ignition go, uh, I would think what John was using, which was actually a gas-powered flame with a little, you know, catalyst in there that's keeping it going. Yeah. Right. It's um, probably. I would think that is far more ig- ig- likely to ignite something than you know a, a fan motor, you know, running yeah, and just kind of happily churning along. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I sprayed it right on the fucking thing. It didn't go off. So. No. And I've been in some pretty rich environments you know uh where i was like then it's it's really rich in here and there's been many electric devices running on but i've also seen houses go away because they had a natural gas leak in the basement next to uh, guys a pilot when a digester blows up because they didn't put an intrinsically safe motor in oh okay all right. I mean, the digesters. It's it's not about it's 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 if you hit the perfect ratio, right? And you yeah. one spark. That's when you blow up. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it. The, the stoichiometric mix yeah. is that thing, whether it's gasoline or methane or whatever your choosing brand is. Right. Uh, when it gets to the right blend, she's gone. Yeah. My feeling is, if you have ventilation, yeah. you're keeping it clean enough that it's not going to get saturated enough to explode or catch on fire. Whereas, you know, I have a shop vac sitting there sucking everything out. It's not enough unless you don't, unless you go try to vacuum up some fuel or something with it, which can go off. That happened one time fucking around and vacuuming near a carburetor Mm -hmm. and then sucking the fuel from the carburetor and it fucking (laughs) six foot flame shot out of the fucking shop vac. That was a good one. Did it keep running? Oh yeah, it was fucking. <laughs> it's just fucking bore. I was like, "Holy fuck, that was fun." <laughs> Won't do that again. <laughs> it's a. It's, I mean, that's a great field expedient flamethrower too. Yeah. So yeah, that that's pretty cool. Hey, if the, you want, if you want, oh, go ahead. Sorry, deal is going to be. He's going to be out there painting one day, and he's going to have all his work done. It's going to be cool. He's going to have his little fan going. Yeah, you want to do something really fun? Yeah. Fire up your shop vac and stick it on the end of your carburetor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to get your jets clean. 
I'm sure it is. That <laughs> pulls it all right. <laughs> but I think with Sleepy's little, yeah, yeah, you could. He's using a Fisher Price Playhouse as a paint booth. Right. If he goes, if it goes, <laughs> sides are just going to blow flat. Yeah. And the house going to drop straight down. It's like IKEA furniture. Blow mold. Yeah, it's all blow molded. Except for I've, in, I've insulated it with all kinds of insulation, so it's going to be fucking whatever. Anyways, it'll be tight. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be tight. It'll um, be tight. So I ha- so today my wife made me go and to do uh, a mattress shopping for our daughter or something like that, right? And so I'm at a mattress shop. And so if, you know, we ride bikes, whatever they sell air Hawks and they sell these other things. They're like 270 bucks for this fucking, like, like the one thing is literally bags of air, right? Like here's another, here's a piece of tape that you can put over a hole that happens or whatever. Right. Sleep number. Yeah. Sleep number. So anyways, they were selling purple mattresses at this thing. Right. Right. Yeah. But then they sell for 99 bucks. This thing. What's that? This is the royal treatment, but this little square thing is a chair cushion. Okay. And I sat on it, and it's yeah. fucking heavenly. Like, it yeah. feels like there's, like, people just massaging your butthole while you're sitting on it. And it's amazing. It's, it's whatever. So I'm like, for 99 bucks or 106 bucks, right. why couldn't this be your air hawk? Like, that, or you know what I'm saying? Well, like, it can. I mean, there's, there's no reason it can't. And, like, you know, Spanko, like, Spanko right. gel is the same way, yeah. But this, dude, this is a whole different gig than gels, though, man. This is like <laughs> I'm telling you, this is like I've sat on a lot of shit. I've had a lot of shit up my ass. I mean, on my ass. And I'm telling you, this thing is fucking solid, man. This is like, like I, I really, I was like, as soon as I sat on, I was like, if this was on my bike, I could ride for ten hours without getting off of it. Right? Sure. What yeah. you need to do is go to an old folks' home, and well, once the COVID's over, and just go from room to room, and you'll find those anti pressure things all over the fucking place but is it that scoop them up and nobody will know the difference but the purple one is so good dude i'm telling you man it's really good it's it is funny the way that 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 um that product too is is purple like it's like the it's nobody cares about what the fucking chemical compound is it's just purple. purple it's a purple cover it's the purple mattress it's the purple chair cover it's the purple whatever and whether or not they are proprietary formula it's the idea is that it's some sort of a honeycomb and you know, a, a you know, that, that pattern, that waffle pattern, yeah, whatever. And it's I guarantee that, that they have a sister company that makes the purple pocket pussy. Yeah. <laughs> the flashlight, the purple flashlight. Yeah. Yeah. That's the avatar model. Not that I've ever bought it. Not that, right. Not that you would go there. Huh. And it is funny that purple just got to be picked, but it is, it's funny because they call that the purple everywhere. So it's just like purple has gotten so ubiquitous that they do make a purple everywhere motorcycle seat pad. What? And Where? What? Oh, yeah. So this? they got it. It's out there. It's, you know, 79 bucks. Go figure. Go buy it. I'm telling you right now, I sat on that fucking thing. It's awesome, dude. I'm buying one tomorrow. <laughs> I'm, I'm still a big fan. If I have to spend a lot of time on the seat, I'm still a fan of the beads. So yeah. I, I, I guess I'm uh, masochistic or asochistic. I wish I had it right now. I'd be sitting on it. My ass is kind of sore. Yeah, I've got the, uh, I've got oh, the, shit. the sheepskin. So. Dude, yeah. I'm in. I'm getting the purple everything. When I have money, I'm getting this. That's if you had, imagine if you had a sheepskin covered purple seat, you'd have the greatest seat oh, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pure oh. New Zealand, you know, pure New Zealand sheepskin on top of purple. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about the best thing in the world, right there. Yes, yes. 
So, uh, the new channel that we're doing is, is doing really pretty well, I think. Uh, two episodes. Two episodes up now, and that's doing really well. That's good. Um, yeah. I, but we, I think like Johnny Mac's kind of itching to get in on one, I think, coming up. He should. I think that, well, and that's going to be the good part is when we get people, when we invite people in, it's going to be a lot more fun. Um, I had forgotten episode number two. Uh, from the time that we had recorded it until the time it had dropped. And yeah. when the intro played, when you, the way you edited it and that intro came up, I had no fucking idea where we were going with that. <laughs> That's and, what I was uh, hoping for. I had no, I had no fucking idea when it came out. I was like, fuck man, which one was this? Cause we recorded a bunch of them yeah. and I know what I, you know, I didn't <sighs> know where we were going, but I'm glad we got there. Yeah. You know? Well, we got to do a Christmas one before Christmas, so a couple weeks. Yeah, that's 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 the thing is because we're not doing fucking postcards this year, so fuck the postcards. We'll make a video. Yeah, yeah. be good. Yeah, good. So we got yeah, that going for us. <laughs> yeah, we do have that going for us. <laughs> it's just so. Uh, was there any interest in going to shooting this weekend or no? Oh, maybe on Sunday. Yeah, I was thinking about maybe going out to Grand River. It's going to be pretty warm on Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, it's supposed to no rain. Uh, I mean, it's not going to be warm, but it'll be over fifty. That's warm. Grand River is that the uh, the state run here? The state run place. It's a field, dude. It It is not. It's a field. Okay, right. It's the it's the one I'm thinking of. Right. You want to ride out there? No, I don't want to ride out there because I have to haul guns and ammunition. Oh, I said, Dan, do you want to ride out there? I was going to meet you. I might. uh, You know what? I I was talking. There's a couple of my my buddies, Nick, and um, I don't know if you if you ever met Tom. We're talking about riding on Sunday, and they would probably be interested in coming out and checking it out too. Yeah, interesting. Well, let's, the only reservation that I have about it, and you guys were talking about you don't have guns or whatever. Right? We got twelve gauges, we got guns. Yeah, but the ammunition right now is awful, and I think I have a box of a hundred rounds or something, and a couple boxes of clay. But I was just looking around real quick to see if I could replace that, you know, go buy some, and it doesn't look good. I was like, shit. Rural King's got game loads coming out the ass. Who does? Rural King. Oh, well, game okay, loads that's good. good to know. Not really what you want for shooting trains. Yeah, but they're still cheap, right? And a half. I mean, it's, it's seven and a half. So, I mean, that that's... Tra- I mean, you can shoot trap with seven and a half. It's so cheap, but they'll beat they'll beat your shoulder up. How much bit. is how much is a box of twenty five, or how much is a hundred pack? They're like under. They're like well, around five bucks for twenty five. Oh, that's great. That's fine. Now, I think I've got five or six boxes of um, like light target loads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. If it's twelve gauge, that's pre- preferable. I don't have a twenty gauge, although I've got a bunch of twenty gauge rounds. If somebody has a twenty gauge. Well, and that's, so there's a, that's a good thing. So if anybody wants to go shooting and they're not going to bring a gun, so I'm going to bring, I'll bring enough guns for three or four people, yeah. 12 gauges. So I'll bring right. enough 12 gauges. I guess yeah. I've got an 870. I got a couple of 870s. I got an 1187 and I've got an 1100. Oh. Uh, I think I've got three or four 12 gauges. So that won't be a problem. And then, but I, again, I've got, I got probably seven or eight boxes in number six, uh, six, shot but i think what we should say is for um if you want to come and shoot that you should stop at either rural king or stop at you know wherever you can buy like if your walmart has it and buy number six shot you know low brass six seven and a half whatever whatever's cheap 
Yeah. And it's the cheap. It'll be, if you want to know which shotgun shell to buy, it's anything 12 gauge. That's cheap as fuck. And a good, you know, it's the Man, good write this shell. down, dude, write this yeah. down. I mean, just that. buy the cheap 25 shell boxes. You know, they should be between six and 10 bucks a box. Um, anything more than eight bucks a pop, you're really getting hurt on a 25 box of shot shells. But uh, the, I go, but I'll, I'll stop at rural King tomorrow and see. Yeah. See they, yeah. Yeah, see if they've got any because then yeah, I'd, I'd be all about doing it. I'll you know. Are you in or out, sewer guy? I I can't go. I have to work in the morning. On Sunday. And then I promised my wife we would drive out to the east side. She she found this hen hen pottery on Facebook, and we have to go. She can't drive out there, so I have to drive out there. This, is out, this is out on the east side. Yes. Yeah, you're right. already halfway out there, man. It's absolutely true. She can yeah. stop by, shoot some clays. Yeah. Plus, well, it's not going to be till like one o'clock, though. So, I mean, it's going to be way too late. I don't and know it, about that. Six in the morning. And I don't uh, think I, Phil's going to be getting up at six in the morning to go shooting plays at all. No. I'm not going to leave my house until so, after a Monte Cristo. So, it's gonna be like, <laughs> I'm not uh, riding anywhere until it I don't know if you guys know this, but Phil has a certain Sunday morning routine that has to play out. He, before he can disengage and yeah, that's so, right. So yeah, I got scheduled. Well, I, I mean, if I can do it, I'll do it. But I mean, you have to let me know what time because I don't think I'd even get there till two o'clock. So, all right. Well, we'll talk. I mean, we'll talk more about this. But I wanted to throw it. it out there. Throw it out there. Ha ha. Good pun. The uh, yeah. I don't. I mean, I think I still have. I got a hand trap. I've got just a hand thrower. Um, I got my that one that trias uh, one stepper. Yeah, the one stepper. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it'll be fun no matter what. I, I we could have Sleepy just hold some out there. Yeah, and I don't have I any. I like to drive in front of the guns. Um, do you have anybody I can ride in front of the whole shooting range at any point? <laughs> yeah, I mean out there, sure. Okay, yeah. perfect. I'll bring a shovel. I'll hold one up like this and ride. There's nobody in charge of that place at all. You park the cars and you, you drag your shit in and it is just as open as anything's ever been. Uh, the only thing that sucks is it's not, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a hike to get out there. So the, uh, it's a drive, but it's, if you just want to go out and bust birds, it's a good spot to go shoot birds. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. It's great. And I haven't done it all year. So I, I haven't done that since the last time we did it. So yeah, yeah that's fine. Here's something. I mean, we, uh, that's something outdoors that you can kind of social distance. It's COVID it's compliant. Doesn't worry too much about. Yeah. Oh, and, and you're so just, just eating the COVID. Stay out of here. shotguns. You got to stay a shotguns length away from you everybody. <laughs> yeah, there ain't nobody getting up on your six with that going on. <laughs> yeah, nothing to worry yeah, about it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Cool. I like that. That's a great plan. The, Sweet. Uh, All right, Sunday will be fun. Yeah. And I had some other, I had some garage related responsibilities that I'm not going to be able to do now. So, but I do think that enjoying the 50 degree weather for the last time is more important. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Definitely. It's a goal. We'll see if it happens. We'll see if it happens. I, I like that. I'd like this to happen though. Well, Dan, so, I'm into riding or going out there or doing whatever. So I'll ride out there to, and whatever. I'm in. Yeah. I'll, I think that's fun. Cool. If you've never done, if you've never shot uh, clay pigeons, it's it's a hoot. It's it's fun. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, uh, it's 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 hard to have a bad time shooting birds. It really is. And uh, if it flies, it dies. Yeah, I've been duck hunting since I was about fourteen. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, I absolutely love it. And I love it. I love it with the right gun and I still love it with the wrong gun. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's like you can, I, I've got, you know, I've got a, a skeet gun that's set up to do that, but then it's also fun to just grab the Remington 870 and just be like, this is, you know, this is the way our ancestors did it. Aerial attack. Ack, ack. <laughs> so now I, I mean, I, I shoot a Mossberg 500. Exactly. Well, and, and that's the perfect, I mean, that really is, that's what makes it more fun. And it, it really, well, that's does. probably what I'll take. I'll take my Mossberg 500 and then I have the Mossberg persuader, which mm -hmm. is a 500, but it holds eight rounds, eight rounds. Yeah. And that can get expensive. That can be expensive because you can, one target can be engaged eight times. <laughs> <laughs> and has been, and has been. You know, um, you ever been to a gun club to shoot uh, trap and ski? Usually they reload shells and sell them really cheap. Oh, yeah. But Absolutely. You have to know someone. Who's I have never, I've never done anything official. The only thing I've ever done is go out to this place and go out to a fucking field and crack some birds. Yeah. And if you, I mean, like, if it was that kind of a thing, if you couldn't find shells at the, you know, Farm and Fleet or Walmart or, Rural King, then you would, I would say, call Urbandale Gun Club or call some of the other gun, you know, the shotgun ranges and say, you know, you guys have got shells there because they do. You, you can buy house shells and they'll have uh, shells that they stock and it'll usually be, you know, a not so great brand. But yeah, we used to shoot. They'd have a lot of uh, homemade, a lot of uh, reloads. And they were cheap. You know, they're cost effective. Nobody gives a shit. I mean, you can reload a shotgun shell eight times. Well, one of my clients is the, is the Gun and Reel Club in Lorraine, and they give me member prices for everything. Nice. Yeah, that's very cool. He said, oh, that's great, man. Yeah. Well, we have very strict rules for shooting and everything. We have to be American uh, Clay Shooting Club certified and everything. I still have my vest. <laughs> I'm double A registered, so we can I can bring my I can bring my vest out if I have. Oh, to. good. Oh, good. That's good. So we can do that. I'm going to watch you guys really closely on your handicap. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> this counts. I just want everybody to know this. Up, we'll have a setup. We'll have it set up with a high house and a low house too. So we'll do that. We'll have a tall guy with a throw over here and a short guy over here, <laughs> and just cross. <laughs> the way the way it ended up last year, last time we did it was throw two birds out and then three or four guys try to shoot. <laughs> That's a and still miss, man. Yeah. It's remarkable how many got away. Like, uh, <laughs> and your one yeah. friend got shot too, which sucks. I don't know how that happened. Right? <laughs> no, that happened. <laughs> no, we're not going with Dick Cheney. No, no. we're not going to do that. <laughs> or Luke. Or not Luke. Uh, yeah, Luke. Uh, uh, Johnny Crone's kid. Yeah. Who couldn't watch us. Yeah. <laughs> The, uh, it's, it's, it is, I mean, it's so much fun. Well, that's great. So I, I hope we do that. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. And it's COVID compliant. So that's even better. So we'll, it will actually be sort of a shoot and scoot. Some people will be shooting. Yeah. You guys show up on the motorbikes. Then we, yeah. we're scooting. We're yeah. scooting. That's yeah. cool. I like it. All I'm right. Well, that's a grenade fun. or two. Grenades okay. are okay out there or no? <laughs> Did yeah. you see my, uh, that uh, video I posted of kitchen pistol? Yes. Kitchen gun. Kitchen yeah. pistol was amazing. <laughs> yep. There that's you go. You're right there. So that's that's the game. Yep. Oh, Dan's got you covered, dude. Dan's got a box of fun. Yep. Were those 20 gauge or 12 gauge? 12. I got seven boxes. Well, oh, that's enough. Yeah, you're fine. You're good. 
the uh, yeah, I'll I'll bring whatever I've got. And, the sponsor. and I'll stop and buy a couple of boxes of clays. So I don't have any clays in the house, but I'll I'll go get some. I think I have two boxes. I have a, I have a fresh box, and then a box that's mostly full because we went and picked up all the shit we couldn't hit and put it back in the box. <laughs> <laughs> It's miscellaneous. You're not supposed to leave the range with more birds than you brought. <laughs> well, apparently we did. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, that's more foraging than it is shooting. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, that's cool, guys. I got that's it. I think that's it. That's a podcast, man. Oh, that was a high that's note. It. Let's just end it at the high note. That's three or four. Zoomcast. This is a Zoomcast. Zoomcast. It is a Zoomcast. Yeah. They're it's very different. So if this, this is, is your first time hearing this, we start we're sorry. We're better live. It's different. You know, All right, come on and zoom. Come on and zoom. Come on and zoom. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Man, um, ride fast and take chances. Press the red button.